Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. People of the internet, welcome to Modern Day Debate. Tonight, we are debating, was Russia provoked by the U.S. and slash the West? We have an extra special debate tonight produced in association with Dylan Burns TV. Dylan is joining us tonight as my co-moderator. He will be the primary moderator for tonight's open discussion. Dylan, do you have anything you want to say? Or are you even there? I don't know. He's not there. Uh, in the meantime, I will just like to say that um, tonight, all the Super Chats will be going to a special charity for research for the terminal disease known as Kreutzfeldt-Jakob Syndrome. Um, so if you have any kind of uh, Super Chats, Super Stickers, anything you want to say tonight, please feel free to send it as be, uh, we'll be uh, donating 100% of the Super Chats to that charity tonight. And that is linked in the description below as well. As as well as all of our uh, interlocutors tonight, they will all be linked in the description. If you like to like what you're hearing, you can check them out as well. So going first tonight, we have Connor and Justice crossing swords with um, Destiny and Adam something. And we will be turning it over to them for their 12-minute uh, opening statement. That would be... Uh, Connor and Justin. No, actually, Adam something and Destiny are going to go first. So we'll go ahead and let them take their quick opening statements. They're not going to take the whole 12 minutes. So go ahead, Adam. Thank you. Uh, so the West provoked Russia to war is the statement we are here to debate tonight. Uh, Destiny and I are here to argue against it, uh, while our opponents will be arguing for it, surely. Uh, but much like uh, abusive spouses, aggressive imperialist dictatorships and their supporters also love playing the victim and otherwise lie, misdirect, and gaslight. The narrative our opponents will likely try to construct tonight is just that, a world where poor Russia, the victim, was forced into attacking Ukraine through circumstances created by the evil West. At the same time, they will downplay or deny every obvious Russian atrocity, blame everything on Ukraine, shift the goalposts, or maybe even peddle bunk conspiracy theories such as the US-funded biolabs inside Ukraine. I do not envy their position. Uh, to better start us off, uh, let's quickly review the Russian narrative regarding the invasion of Ukraine. The original claim was, we aren't planning to attack, it's just NATO fear-mongering. Then, we're only there for a military exercise with Belarus. And then, we're, we're taking Kiev and denazifying Ukraine by liquidating its leadership of drug-addicted Bandera neo-Nazis. And then, we're only ensuring Ukraine's neutral status by demilitarizing it. And then, we want to take out the US-funded biolabs in Ukraine that produce anthrax-infected bats and further bioweapons designed to target Russian genes. And then we just want to secure the Donbass and to protect locals from genocide. And finally, the current justification, we just want to take out the Ukrainian ultra-nationalist battalions. As I said, I do not envy our opponents' positions. This is quite the, quite the position to, to defend. Uh, any argument they'll attempt to make uh, will have to be made uh, from across the smoldering ruins of Ukrainian cities, the mountains of dead civilians and the ruins of hospitals, in the midst of Russian orchestrated abductions, murder, torture, deportations, and general looting. All in all, I'll be curious to see how our opponents will try to defend the indefensible, though I don't expect any good faith engagement from them, obviously. As the saying goes, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, denies it's a duck, demands you prove it's a duck, accuses you of being a duck, says your dog is a duck, that your friend's cat is a duck, and that all three aforementioned ducks are russophobic, it's a Kremlin duck. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Adam. Something. Destiny, would you like to take your six minutes for opening statement? And you're muted. 
I'm sorry. Is it, am I unmuted now? Yep. Um, obviously, I would like to agree with everything that Adam said. Um, oftentimes, when talking about the justification of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and whether or not uh, Russia was provoked, I think that the lens is always spoken through a kind of uh, United States and NATO versus uh, Russia kind of framing. And I would be interested in how we can overcome uh, the concept of Ukraine's right to defend itself. I think that Ukraine has a right to determine its own sovereignty. I think that its borders were already agreed upon with Russia. And I just don't believe that there is any real provocation that Russia can talk about when it comes to invading Ukraine. Um, yeah, that's all I got. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll go ahead and kick it over to Connor and Justice for their 12 minute opening statements, whichever one of you wants to go first. All right, that would be me. So here we go. Um, yeah, just one second here. Here we go. Russian, <clears throat> Russia's invasion of Ukraine on February 23rd was an unjustified act of aggression. I, along with my debate partner, condemn these actions. As a citizen of Russia, a farmer in Russia, and a father of three, holding such opinions is not exactly safe at the moment. I have spoken out both publicly on my YouTube channel as well as privately in conversations with friends and acquaintances condemning the war, even though such opinions are currently illegal to share and punishable by up to 15 years in prison. So why would I, who am against the war, claim that the West is largely responsible for the mayhem now unfolding in the Ukraine? I believe primarily that America's disregard for the legitimate security concerns of lesser powers, in this case Russia's, puts all of us at the risk of war and potentially nuclear annihilation. What I'm about to present is the other side of the story, a story of 30 years of Western aggression of broken promises and bad faith that, if seen from the other side, go a long way to explaining the actions of Vladimir Putin and the Russian state. Stephen Walt, professor at Harvard University and leader of the Realist School of Thought and Foreign Policy, said, strategic empathy is not about agreeing with an adversary's position. It's about understanding it so that you can fashion an appropriate response. The war in Ukraine is wrong, but is a rational reaction to Western antagonism, if seen from the other side. If we want to live in a more sane world, a more peaceful world, we need to learn from the mistakes of the past so as not to repeat them. If we want peace with other rising powers in the world, we need to look at our own behavior from the standpoint of the outsider. This includes facing the uncomfortable truth that the United States, uh, that the U.S.-led Western world is largely responsible for the events unfolding now in the Ukraine. On February 9th, 1990, as the Soviet Union teachers on the verge of collapse, George Bush Sr., along with Secretary of State James Baker, promised Mikhail Gorbachev that if the USSR allows a peaceful reunification of Germany under a NATO alliance, that they would guarantee no further NATO expansion. Then, West Germany, France, the United, and the United Kingdoms all signed on to this promise. These Western powers have been denying these promises ever since claiming that either they were never made in the first place or that these promises no longer count because it was not in writing. To at least deal briefly with the objections, I'll refer you to the official records which were posted in 2019 at George Washington University's National Security Archive, where you can read for yourself in no uncertain terms that such promises were made by the highest officials in America. These guarantees, the hope that the West would not exploit Russia in a moment of vulnerability are largely responsible for the almost entirely bloodless dissolution of the Soviet Union. December 26, 1991, the USSR collapses. The hammer and sickle come down from over the Kremlin. The Iron Curtain is officially rent asunder. Putin has been widely criticized in the West for claiming that the fall of the Soviet Union was the greatest geopolitical disaster of the 20th century. 
And although it cannot compare to the horror and bloodshed of either world wars, with these exceptions, it is second to none in human suffering and geopolitical significance in the end of the 20, 20th century. The decade after the fall of the Soviet Union is known by all Russians as the stormy 90s. The then newly formed government of Russia hoped for help from her former adversaries in navigating the transition from a command and control centrally planned socialist economy to a modern markets-based economy. What she, what she received was the shock therapy economic policies of the so-called Harvard boys, which totally destroyed the Russian economy. Instead of being a good sport after the peace, peaceful conclusion of the most dangerous epoch in history, the Harvard boys recommended the hapless Yeltsin government abolish all subsidies and price controls in the formerly completely socialist economy, causing hyperinflation, destroying all available capital for local investment, and use voucher schemes to hand over entire industries to criminal elements which created today's oligarchs. The consequences for the economy and the people of Russia were beyond what most Westerners can imagine. The 90s in Russia make the Great Depression in the United States look like, a, look like good times. The country was devastated. Life expectancy fell by double digits. Russia lost over 2 million people to, death of, to deaths of despair, migratory flight, brain drain, and hunger. While the economists who were recommended by the United States uh, by the U.S. State Department, wreaked havoc on the Russian economy. America also supported the Chechen separatist rebels factions in an ongoing conflict with Russia. These are the same freedom fighters who made mass terror attacks deep inside of, of Russian mainland. In the Budonovsk hostage crisis, the Piromaisk and Kalazar terrorist attacks, the Dubrovka theater hostage incident, as well as the more well-known Mislan tragedy. In each one of these events, hundreds of Russian citizens were taken hostage and hundreds more died. Putin comes to power in 2000 and promises to bring order to the chaos of the 90s. He dealt swiftly and decisively with the oligarchs and organized crime. He reformed the tax code and rebooted the Russian economy. Regardless of the ongoing conflict with the Chechens, supported by the, by the USA, Putin was the first foreign leader to call George W. Bush after the terror attacks of 9-11 and offer support. He made good on that offer at the beginning of the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan, where he offered support as well as use of Russian military bases in the area. This olive branch would be rebuffed by Bush-era policies that would simply be a continuation of Clinton-era military escalation. Russians began to see then, and now continue to see, Putin is the only thing that stands between them and the rapacious appetites of Wild West bankers and marauding hordes of Western-sponsored murderous terrorists. The real turning point, though, in modern U.S. and Russian relations happened in 2008. The Bucharest Declaration, a set of resolutions concluding the, the then-NATO conference, said that NATO was willing and waiting to accept Georgia and Ukraine into membership. In 2008, William Burns, the current CIA director, was the U.S. ambassador in Russia. In January of that year, he met with the, there oh, we go. My partner will now elaborate more, so take it away, Connor. Okay. <clears throat> Neither Russia nor the Russians are the enemies of the American people, but the foreign policy establishment led by the neoconservatives at the end of the Cold War seized what they called their unipolar moment at the end of history to dominate the globe militarily, politically, and otherwise. The policies which they have enacted have systematically brought us to the brinksmanship we experience today. Bill Clinton in a quest for Polish votes in the Midwest and new markets for Lockheed Martin expanded NATO. This was fervently opposed by Clinton's own Pentagon chief at the time and the most respected foreign policy so-called graybeards among the, led, among the men who led the previous Cold War. To name a few, George Kennan, Robert McNamara, Paul Nitza, Ambassador Jack Matlock, Brent Scowcroft, Robert Gates, 
Gene Kirkpatrick, Sam Nunn, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, Bill Bradley, and John Warner. Susan Eisenhower uh, and 50 of America's most acclaimed foreign policy leaders, including some of the above, signed an open letter urging Bill Clinton not to go through with the planned NATO expansion. Since then, both parties have continued, both American political parties have escalated a persistently hostile anti-Russian foreign policy. This began with NATO expanding in 1999 to include Hungary, Poland, and the Czech Republic. Under Clinton, the US and NATO waged an illegal war in Kosovo against Russia's allies, the Serbs. The war was based on lies and began the new Cold War we are hopelessly enmeshed in today. Thousands of people were killed. The U.S. bombed the Chinese embassy in Belgrade, and NATO Supreme Allied Commander Wesley Clark nearly started World War III when he demanded Russian forces occupying the Pristina airport be bombed as well. It has also set the precedents that have been invoked by President Vladimir Putin on more than one occasion, both when he annexed Crimea in 2014 and when he began this current invasion. After the September 11th attacks, George W. Bush deliberately blew an opportunity for reproachment, reproachment with Putin, acting on the advice of people like Joe, John Bolton. He tore up the anti-ballistic missile treaty after it had held for 30 years and announced the U.S. was moving defensive missiles to Poland and radar to the Czech Republic. Part of the Bush policy was to place Aegis Ashore systems at the anti-ballistic missile sites in Romania and Poland. These anti-missile missiles are fired from dual-use launchers, which can also be retrofit with Tomahawk cruise missiles that can launch uh, H-bombs, hydrogen bombs. Now, the ABMs themselves, whether they work or not, began a new arms race, but these launchers meant the U.S. was sneaking medium-range missiles back into Europe less than 20 years after the INF treaty was signed. Roughly a decade after Bush left office, Putin announced a whole new generation of nuclear weapons Russia had developed and made it plausible that the U.S. had completely lost this competition. Though Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden have committed the U.S. to a 30-year plan with an estimated cost of multiple trillions of dollars now to revamp and modernize America's nuclear arsenal. Bush expanded NATO to Russia's borders, including uh, bringing in Slovakia, Slovenia, Romania, Bulgaria, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. Bush also promised NATO membership to Ukraine and Georgia at the all-important Bucharest summit in April 2008. By July, the U.S. was conducting massive drills in Georgia named Immediate Response, and in August, Tbilisi had launched a war against Russia in uh, South Ossetia, attacking peacekeepers there on an EU-brokered deal. Since 2008, two more wars in Ukraine have been caused by Bush's ill-advised declaration, which was staunchly opposed by Paris and Berlin. Obama ruined his own reset with Russia. He condemned a chump out of Dmitry Medvedev at the UN Security Council and lied about the West's intentions in Libya. This practically guaranteed Putin's return to the presidency when it was possible he was even considering retirement. Obama also expanded NATO further into the Balkans, overthrew the government in Ukraine, uh, sent CIA par paramilitaries to Ukraine on an advisory mission to the front line in the Donbass. He had the CIA training militants at a secret base in the United States and deployed special forces to train uh, Kiev's military. Although he chose not to arm Ukraine, Obama set the stage for the current war. Obama also began the trend of diplomatic expulsions in earnest, which was worsen worsened by Trump and Biden. Trump ripped up the INF Treaty, the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty, Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, and the Open Skies Treaty. He expanded NATO, bringing in Montenegro and Macedonia. He also beefed up U.S. presence in the Baltic and Black Seas, often sending warships to these waters. He sent frigates to the Baltic Sea armed with medium-range cruise missiles, which reduced first strike warnings, pushing us closer to brinksmanship. And under Trump, more troops and weapons and equipment were sent to Poland and the Baltics. Uh, there were myriad NATO exercises off Russia's borders as well. He armed Ukraine. Trump escalated far beyond the Obama policy and bragged about it, sending Javelin anti-tank missiles, armed boats, rocket launchers, sniper rifles, and more to Kiev. <clears throat> These weapons were sent to a government that had already launched a war against its own people. 
uh, killing thousands. Biden picked up where they left off and led some of the largest military exercises in Eastern Europe since the Cold War, refused to recognize Russian sovereignty in Crimea, further armed Ukraine, and drastically deteriorated relations with Moscow, leading to today's devastating war in Ukraine. All right, that looks like it ends the open uh, the opening uh, statement. So I'm going to go ahead and just let everybody know, especially if it's their first time here at Modern Day Debates, that we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics, and we want you to feel welcome no matter what walk of life you're from. And if you have a question for, or comment for one of tonight's debaters, fire into the old live chat, and be sure to tag me at Modern Day Debates. Super chats will go to the top of the list, and remember that tonight's uh, super chats will 100% of the revenue will go to uh, research for Crutchfeld Jakob syndrome so please uh feel free to send as many super chats and super stickers as you'd like um and they will of course go to the top of the list and all we ask is that you keep it civil attack the argument and not the person as insults will not be read that goes for the general discourse in the live chat as well our invaluable moderators are working tirelessly to elevate the conversation so please show them the debaters and each other the respect that they deserve and not hurl insults and attacks at each other our guests are linked in the description below and whether you're listening on youtube or via the podcast so be sure to hit the like button subscribe we have plenty more debates coming your way and with that i'm going to go ahead and kick it to dylan as he is going to be taking over and uh taking charge of this for the open discussion portion so dylan the floor is all yours hi i'm having a, a little bit of connection issues so if there's any problems right. i'm sure Kaz can pick up for me but uh despite uh despite that um i'm going to just open it this way does anybody want to start us off and we'll just go I from there. To, I, think I would you love to start. Polite. Yeah. Okay, Destiny, uh, start us off. Okay, so just I just want to ask like a random question, I guess. Um, th there's like two two broad claims that, that I find are made when we talk about Western aggression and the people that talk about Western aggression. So on one hand, people will say things like NATO expansion is the reason why Russia is feeling the need to uh, invade Ukraine or to you know establish breakaway states or whatever. But then in the next breath, I always hear people talk about like the school of realism when it comes to analyzing foreign affairs. So <laughs> I'm curious for both of you. Let's say that NATO membership was not on the table whatsoever. But let's say that in a, in a post Yanukovych Ukraine, where Ukraine is saying, we don't want the Russian trade deals, we want the European Union trade deals. And maybe in the future, maybe we can even join the EU. If we are to believe, like a realist would, that stronger nations exert control and influence over smaller nations, wouldn't Russia have tried to invade Ukraine anyway, turn them into another Belarus? Like even without NATO expansion, could, isn't that still plausible that that would have happened? I'll take that real quick. Um, I think that, you know, many, many alternative universes or alternative realities are plausible in any case. Um, but the question here is, what are the Western countries doing to make that less plausible or to live in peaceful coexistence with, for instance, Russia. So Russia has been attempting, um, I think we have a pretty good track record established uh, in Eastern Europe over the last you know, 20 years, that they're mostly interested in peaceful coexistence with their European neighbors. The red line, I think the part portion of my opening statement that I did not get to um, in 2008, was that it was made very clear uh, to the State Department um, via the uh, the what's called the Nyet means Nyet memo, that inclusion of Georgia and Ukraine into NATO was a flagrant red line for Russian security interests. So would Russia want to exert uh, influence over smaller nations nearby? 
Yes, of course. Just like we would like to, you know, the United States would like to exert influence over smaller nations in its own neighborhood. Would that have precipitated an invasion? I don't think so, because military power is uh, military expansion is um, met with military expansion. Economic expansion is met with economic expansion in retaliatory um, scenarios. Uh, I guess your, your points would be more salient if Russia wasn't uh, already engaging uh, or having been engaged for decades in aggressive military uh, expansion or just general fuckery around its borders. So we have the invasion of Georgia. We get we get a puppet state in, in Transnistria. We have the annexation of Crimea and the war in Donbass. Also, like let's, uh, there's adventures also in Syria by Vladimir Putin. So Russia is a country that very clearly is not interested in peaceful coexistence with its at least with its former satellite states, right? So uh, if, and I guarantee you, if the Baltics weren't in NATO, Russia would have done the, uh, they would have done a fucking Donbass in the Baltics. Uh, Putin is uh, a far-right leader. He's an imperialist, of course. Uh, he's sort of drunk on this uh, Russian imperial uh, ambitions of the past. And if you don't think that, uh, just from a realist perspective, that he would try to restore his the former glory of his geopolitical uh, pole, uh, any chance he would get, uh, then... I don't. If you don't believe that, I don't know what to tell you. And then NATO is there precisely to stop this from happening, to stop Russian imperial ambitions from from manifesting itself as they did in in Moldavia, Ukraine, and Georgia. So I I, I don't know where you're getting this from that that that, that like Russia is 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 uh, is after peaceful coexistence in Europe, which is clearly not the case. Yeah. Also, just to back on, and then you're gonna answer. Just to add on to the end of Adam's statement. So I do agree that it's we can't really make historical counterfactuals. Um, like we can't see what would have happened otherwise, but like when we look at why did Russia initially invade Ukraine in 2014, it wasn't because of NATO expansionism and it wasn't because of the West. It was because of the ousting of Yanukovych, right? It, that was like the Crimean peninsula was taken as a response to that. So like, are we really saying that, you know, were there no NATO expansion ideas on the table? Like would that invasion have not happened? I find that really hard to believe. I think that militarily, I think Sevastopol and the Black Sea is really important to Russia. And I think they wanted to take that peninsula and they saw an opportunity to do so. Um, I, I don't think that NATO expansion has had anything to do with it. Well, they had a deal with the Ukrainians. Uh, the Crimean Peninsula, well, the Sevastopol base uh, was on lease. They were allowed to have up to like 25,000 troops there. They had 16,000 at the time. And when the coup occurred, the... Ukrainian uh, forces, including three former presidents, advocated that the Russians be evicted violently from that base. So Putin ordered his men to walk out of their bases and seize the Crimean Peninsula, which they did without bloodshed. What, what is okay, and, and again, that? The Russians were to be violently evicted from the Crimean Peninsula? I never yes. remember any of this happening. What, what is the... I don't like to do like the source source of debates, but I'm almost certain that that's not true. All right, give me a moment. Yeah, no. But actually, 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 even if even if that did happen, which I don't know if it did, but let's if if we entertain that it did happen, then why didn't Russian soldiers just like protect their own bases? If they want to evict them from the bases, then let them stay in the bases. Plus, at that point, the Ukrainian military was like they had three thousand deployable troops, right? And Russia knew this, of course. This was a, a result of decades of systemic rot. Uh, like, what could Ukraine even do against 16,000 Russian troops, uh, ha ha like heavily armed, well-supplied uh, Russian troops in Crimea? Nothing. So the fact that Russians actually came out of their military bases and took over U Ukrainian government buildings in Crimea is, you know, it's at that point, the opposition to them supposedly... Go 
about to be evicted from their bases is not really the reason there, right? Like it seems like they, yeah, they, they the, just like really wanted to get back that historic part of their empire. Again, this is the Crimea is kind of counterfactual that we're looking for. Russia has a, a, a prime opportunity to basically annex Ukraine in 2014 if they wanted to. You, as Adam something just pointed out correctly, the, Russia, the Ukrainian military was in no place uh, to uh, pose any kind of substantial resistance to the Russian army back in 2014. And so why, if they're so hell-bent on imperialistic ambitions, on rebooting the Soviet Union, on whatever um, Adam something is afraid of, why didn't they just annex the entire country of Ukraine then, then and there? The thing is, they tried. And they the, tried. Answer, the, answer to, the answer to that is they didn't try. The answer to that is that they did not go that far. There was a Western-sponsored coup in Kiev in 2014, and Russia proportionally responded by seizing Crimea because the new regime in Kiev was putting their military bases and their presence in the Black Sea uh, was, was threatening that. So they did not try to annex uh, Crimea. Adam something will most likely point to the Donbass and Lugansk wars that started in 2014, the separatist wars there. Russia did support those militarily, much like the United States supported the Chechnya rebels in the 90s against Russia. Um, and I'm, again, not, not justifying that, but just in a realpolitik sense, they were, they were destabilizing um, what they saw as what was becoming a hostile government to them. And in 2015, when the Donbass and Lugansk republics asked to be annexed into Russia, Russia denied them that. If Russia was on such a path of imperialist expansion, why didn't they take over the Ukraine in 2014? Why didn't they annex the DNR and the LNR in uh, 2015? Very quickly, if I, I can make can, one really quick request of... for Adam, I'll let you know. I'm not even going to respond. Just for the really quick request. If we could for this conversation, just because I'm a child, if we could go like back and forth on like one or two points each, that would be so nice instead of laying out so much um, contestable stuff is what I would say. I would appreciate it. But go ahead, Adam. All right. So so the, the questions are like, why didn't if, if Russia's imperial ambitions really are like sort of uh, really are the, the, the reality, then why didn't Russia annex A, Ukraine? And then why didn't Russia annex B, uh, Donbass, uh, Donetsk and Luhansk? Uh, so the first question, why didn't Russia annex Ukraine? Well, they they were actually counting with the Ukrainian state collapsing on under uh, even the slightest duress, because the I mean it, it, it really didn't it wasn't obvious back then that the Ukrainian state will survive and Russia was 100% Putin was 100% banking on the fact that the government will will just collapse and then they'll just do the they'll, they'll just give the Donbass treatment to the whole country you know little people's republics here and there and then the entire thing just falls back to Russia eventually uh, but oopsie daisy they accidentally created a ukrainian national identity in the process which has been suppressed for decades by soviets so the what so the the the, the donbass area is actually plan c uh, plan a was the whole of ukraine and then that of course wasn't about, uh, wasn't going to work plan b was uh, the the so-called Novorossiya project that's from Transnistria all the way to the, the south coast, Odessa, Crimea, and then all the way till Mariupol plus the Donbass and maybe Kharkiv even. Uh, actually, Kharkiv as well. Uh, there was plan B, but that didn't work either. Uh, only the east remained, so there was plan C. And the reason, at that point, the reason why they didn't annex the Donetsk and Luas People's Republics is because it was more uh, geopolitically, from a real political perspective, it was far more efficacious for Putin to not annex these territories, to use them as these sort of forward bases to destabilize Ukraine and to keep this sort of uh, questionable, uh, sort of contested buffer zone uh, to eventually try and... Uh, 
sort of exert their influence. Back then, federalization was was the name of the game. Putin tried to tried to achieve a sort of settlement where the, the, the Donetsk and Luhansk people's republics will be will become part of Ukraine uh, as in in a federal in a federation where the Donetsk and Luhansk regions have a veto in Ukraine's foreign policy. So as you can see, that would have given Russia uh, essentially control over Ukraine's geopolitical course. So that was the name of the game. This is realpolitik. Uh, that's my answer. Okay, so I just, I so, just gave, oh, go ahead, Justice. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so I just dropped in the article from the Kiev Post, and there's others too, where they call to mobilize forces and to break the Kar Kharkiv Pact which has that lease I was talking to you about and to uh, intervene. Now, the issue with the Donbass, of course, is you have, because of the history of the country, you have hundreds of thousands of Russian civilians living in the region. And as Justice said, after they declared their independence, Russia did not invade. They sent in deniable clandestine forces to help them maintain their autonomy. Uh, and there were attacks on the Donbass. A war was launched. Uh, and as I said, 14,000 people were killed. And in the meantime, the U.S. government, after overthrowing the government in Kiev, after Yanukovych decided not to take the EU association agreement, there was uh, support for that war, political and otherwise. And the at once Trump came into office, he started arming the country. And since then, it's become a major uh, security risk for the people in that region. And it's also right on the border of Russia. I'm not condoning any kind of violence, but if this occurred in the United States, say in Mexico, if Russia had, uh, you know, overthrown the government and launched a, uh, supported a war against, um, you know, uh, populations there of, you know, Americans on the border, and they were preparing uh, for, you know, a war with, or even talking about um, going in there and just evicting those people and killing them and reconstituting an ethnic Ukraine, that would be uh, something that the Americans would object to because it would be a major violation of their security. But of course, this is, we're sort of starting at uh, the wrong point. I think that it's important to look at the past and see how this led up. I mean, again, you mentioned Georgia. Now, unfortunately, the issue is that the, uh, the war occurred after Georgia was promised a Ukrainian membership by George W. Bush against the wishes of Paris and Berlin. And the Georgians were given military support and it's come out in reportings that, and in reports that uh, they were receiving back channel assurances from people uh, in Dick Cheney's orbit. And they thought that they could count on American support. And as justice pointed out, the, uh, they did, uh, Sergei Lavrov had already told William Burns that this was a major red line and that and Burns had told Condoleezza Rice that no Russian politician, conservative or liberal, and everybody in the foreign policy establishment there uh, from his sharp from Putin's sharpest liberal critics uh, to the you know worst knuckle uh, most backwards knuckle draggers in the dark recesses of the Kremlin. I think it's basically what he says would ever accept this. And they were concerned in Ukraine, for instance, that a civil war would break out. Uh, in the event that um, the government uh, tried to join NATO. And unfortunately, this is what has been promised and successive regimes have attempted to do just this. And um, again, it's in the backdrop of the war against the ethnic Russians. But why, why would a civil war break out over NATO membership in Ukraine? Because the country is largely divided. Uh, they're in the Russian-speaking regions in the south and the east, 
these people were threatened by ultranationalist forces who supported uh, the EU membership and also have been trying to join NATO this whole time. If you look at people like Zelensky, I mean, one of the big problems was they never gave up the promise, even when there were negotiations that could have uh, removed that as an obstacle to peace. And they never implemented the Minsk II agreements that the uh, the Russians and the uh, Germans and the French and the Ukrainians agreed to. Um, okay, wait, wait, just, just uh, quick, quick, quickly. Uh, so, yes, yes. So, just, just, just to, uh, just with, with, with regards to your previous point, if there was a civil war uh, in Ukraine, uh, if, if there was back then a civil war uh, due to the country's NATO membership, who would start that civil war against whom? Well, again, the ethnic Russians think, are being attacked. Like, this country has been uh, yeah. used so as a way you, to invade Moscow by Western So the Ukrainian, the Ukrainian ultranationalists would start a civil war against the ethnic Russians in Ukraine if Ukraine joined NATO in 2014 or earlier. No, they already did. Jump, I'm saying that in. it was a threat to Russia's yeah. security. Okay, but, but yeah, Connor, how, how is NATO is... Yes, go ahead. Yeah, just let me jump in right here. I think that the, the what Connor is quoting is a... A section from the from the Niet means Niet memoir that was written by William Burns in 2008, where he said that he assessed that that might be a potential outcome. Um, I'm I'm not necessarily going to uh, stand here and defend that. It may or may not have turned out that way, and it's hard to you know understand what the then ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to Russia, thought was a potential outcome with all the resources at his disposal at that time. To relegate that at this moment, who knows? I mean, what what they I were thinking yeah, about think, what he was what he was focusing on then i think it's also weird that like there, there's so much like hypothetical stuff from ukraine that we talk about to justify <laughs> russia aggression but then we can't look at like actual russian aggression um so i was curious so, you, you you mentioned about like um you said that three former like ukrainian prime ministers came out to denounce the kharkiv pact or the kharkiv pact or whatever like yeah three leaders came out and said it'd be a good idea to do it but when they tried this in 2013 it got shot down in the ukrainian parliament i read the thing that you linked so this wasn't on the table that Ukraine was ever going to go down and retake Sevastopol and kick Russia out or they weren't going to renew the lease of the base. Um, the idea that that was a fear because there was a news article published that like some people were saying they should do it by three people that weren't even active in parliament anymore in the uh, in the Verkhovna Rada or whatever, like that. That's just unfounded, right? Like, imagine, like, imagine that justification of invading a country because a year ago a piece of legislation to not renew a base got shot down. It doesn't make any sense. I, I feel like you have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to try to figure out, like, well, maybe they invaded because of this or that or that. Like, we can, we know exactly why the Crimean Peninsula was taken, and it was because Yanukovych left, and it was because Russia was losing control of Ukraine. Like, that's a very easy, like, like that's like three steps from A to B to see exactly what happened. Absolutely. And the new government in Ukraine 2014 was fielding questions of not um, of not or fielding fielding ideas of not extending the leases for the bases and also evicting the Russians, not in the 13, but in 2014. So under the new administration, under the new administration, it was an imminent threat. But really quick to jump back on to Adam's point. He says, let's look at, you know, realpolitik in, in Ukraine about, you know, how, how things could have possibly played out. And then he says, you know, Russia absolutely did want to take Ukraine. They were waiting for uh, the Ukraine to fall apart. That's an interesting story that has no basis in reality or that's what they just the, did. We have no we have no ability. Ago. We have no ability, no ability to prove that you're saying this is what was in the heads of, of Putin or in the heads of. Oh, sure. I mean, on the 24th of February, they tried exactly this again, but with actual military forces directly. 
Like, I, 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 like I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Have you ever right, used like Russia invaded Ukraine? Twenty fourth of February, twenty fourth of February, two thousand twenty two is not two thousand fourteen. It's a different. It's a different time span. It's a different. Yes. Uh, a right then, Russia tried a to But but just just really quick, just really quick. Let's instead of looking at some sort of you know uh, ethereal theoretics, let's look at the the reality of the situation. Um, you know, based on the Ru Russians and. Americans uh, or the the Western uh, play in this thing, as the Western uh, the United States led Western world follows a policy of encirclement of encircling Russia with active military bases. Russia works a little bit in territories on its border, you know. And who's the aggressor here? Who's expanding military operations? What is, what is yeah? What is the NATO that's aggression? the question. That and is the that's question. The, what the is theory? That, that's the thing that we have to look at. What is Countries... the NATO aggression? Like, I'm, I'm curious. Let's like, let's actually let's play that thought experiment real quickly. What what do we think? All right, Destiny. Happen? When was the one time? When was the one time in the NATO history when Article Five was enacted? One time. For I mean, we triggered Article Five for 9/11. What do you mean? We triggered we we triggered Article Five for 9/11 to invade where Afghanistan, halfway around the world, completely out of our sphere of influence potentially a war that we didn't need to have fought hold so on. I'm as sorry. Do russia you think sees triggering? Hold nato on, hold countries on, hold on. wait 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 wait. no no wait can we just one point by point okay are you trying to say that russia might 9-11 us and we'll trigger article 5 for that or are you trying to say that another country might 9-11 us and we're going to article 5 into russia do you really believe that's a possibility i'm saying that as the united states as the western world says nato is simply a um, protective defensive alliance it doesn't look like that from the other side. It looks like we don't have to find work. I mean, we can look at NATO use... missions to see it. Wait, let's let's engage with the point. I'm, I want to hear this. I want to hear the engagement with this point. Do you really think? Do you personally? Do you believe that there is any chance that NATO or NATO forces or NATO countries are going to be attacking Russia? It that does, an Article it, look, Five trigger is going to. So are you literally so you, you won't engage with this because because it destroys the entire argument. You know that I will, will never happen. I will absolutely engage with this. I will absolutely engage. <laughs> No okay. problem. So we'll, we'll Oliver Stone Russia, has an no? interview, has his famous, you know, multi-hour interviews with Putin, where he brings up this exact point. Mr. Putin, don't you know that NATO is just a jobs program for the West? For the most part, it's just corporate welfare. You know, we're this is never going to be used to attack Russia. Don't you understand that? And Putin says it may be that way. It may be not that way. But if you're looking at it from our side, as country after country gets integrated into the NATO system, as rocket launchers gets placed, as military bases gets moved closer and closer to our border, we have to look at this again in a realpolitik sort of way. Put it on the other side. What if the it wasn't the economic system of the Soviet Union, but the economic system of the Western world that collapsed in 1991? And, and oh, that the Warsaw Pact was integrating Canada and Mexico and putting military bases on the United States border would would the United States, with the Monroe Doctrine in place, ever tolerate that? Why we uh, there's no answer. I'm gonna, wait, I, I want to. Anna, you can do this, but I have to repeat the question one more time. Sure, sure, sure. You'll never get an answer from this. Do we really think that there is a future where NATO countries? We already have nukes in Turkey. We already have the three countries up in the uh, in the Baltics. Like, is Ukraine going to be? That's the domino that we invade Moscow through. Like. Is that really a thing you think is going to happen? In, that Russia is going to be invaded in two, by a NATO country? In, Why are you just saying random in stuff? In 2000, I don't care. I'm just curious. Do you think that NATO will, or any NATO country will actually invade Russia? I don't want to go to a news poster. Yeah, what is it? 
in 2008, in 2008, Russia said very clearly that the Ukraine and Georgia were red lines for them. Just like uh, any country has to have its things that it's willing to tolerate and not willing to tolerate, like for the United States, you know, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq or whatever. Um, there have to be things that they will say are, you know, tolerable or intolerable. And sure, Ukrainian, but, but do you but do you uh, NATO think NATO will invade Russia? But do, do you think NATO will invade do Russia? Do I think would? Yes, it's a yes or no question. We're asking for the sixth time. The, the answer is obviously no. Like we literally of have, course not. Of we course got not. a phone set up. So why, why are they expanding all the way up to Russia's borders? Why are they doing drills? Because when you're not great for the, for the, why are they ripping up arms? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, Why would they do that? Why would they put dual use missiles in Romania and Poland? Why are they doing the largest military exercises since the Cold War all throughout Europe, including on Russia? I would love to answer that. Why are they sanctioning Russia? Why are they saying that they're happy with Ukrainians dying? Okay, okay, okay. Please both. Thank you, both of you. Stop for a second. Adam is. Wait, wait. Okay. I love answering things. And it's not like America doesn't launch aggressive. Is my is my mic not on? Can can nobody hear me? Okay, sorry. Carry yourself for that possibility. Okay, wait. Can anyone is my mic actually not working? I can't tell if it is or not. It's working. I'm just okay. playing okay. welcome. I can hear you. It's all good. <laughs> it is working. I get I just I can tell. Okay. So you guys were talking over each other. So I and I and nobody heard anything. Okay. So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna have Adam something ask the question, and I'm gonna have Connor respond, and neither of you talk over the other. Adam, if you think he's not answering the question, you can just repeat it right after he finishes answering. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Adam, what is the question? Uh, I was about to actually answer the question. Connor asked a question. Oh, it was Connor asked a question. Okay, Connor, can sure. you ask the question? <laughs> but short, in the short okay. form. Uh, he's, he's muted. Okay. So why, why, yeah. does NATO, why does NATO expand or something like that? That was the question. Yeah, why are they ripping up arms treaties? Why are they constantly doing massive drills in Russia's near abroad? Why did okay, they... Sure. Uh, unilaterally in violation of international law attack Kosovo and why uh, are they uh, promising Georgia and Ukraine NATO membership when they know that that could cause a war by because the Russians have said that it would be a direct threat to their security and they would be forced to decide whether to intervene, particularly in Ukraine. Ukraine has been invaded by Western powers uh, several times, including, um, you know, by the Nazis. So That's why, why, question, why is the because they they were promised that NATO wouldn't expand. So what would they? Why would you have to? I mean, explain why they would break that promise. Okay. So the, the, your 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 original question was that why does NATO keep, why does NATO keep expanding around Russia and and like you know of course. So uh, if you look at this one from a, a real political perspective, of course, like why does Russia invade all these other neighboring countries around it? Right. There's not there's not much peace it seems in the former imperial sphere, and so it makes perfect sense that countries would democratically vote to join a defensive alliance against well, while neighboring. And, and aggressive imperialist power such as Russia. And dude, like there's Georgia, there's Transnistria, there's Ukraine, like f shit gets fucked up around Russia. Like everyone can see, people, I would say people with, with, with the IQ of a room temperature can see this, right? So if, if you're if you're a voter and if you're like, hmm, should I join NATO or not? Like, huh, well, so we, we have this neighbor, Russia, you know, he keep, keeps like fucking invading uh, its former subjects and trying to subjugate them again. Uh, I don't know, should we should we join NATO? I guess we kind of should, like that's, that's the response, right? That's why people voted in all this 
these countries to join NATO. And if, if Russia perceives this as a threat, by the way, that's Russia's problem. Okay. I also want to uh, add on to Adam. Yes, everybody. I, I want to add on real quick to Adam too, because Very this question one. gets floated a lot. Um, this idea that like, well, what if Russia were to start bases around uh, Mexico? Or what if Russia were to create bases inside Canada or Cuba and they were to start staging missiles there? Like, that would be pretty egregious, I admit. What if the United States were to try to recognize like independent regions in Mexico or Canada and send fucking troops into those countries to begin civil wars in those countries with Mexico or Canada? Like we would like the United States would have to take um, like pretty unprecedented aggression against its neighbors, at least in the past 30 years, in order to like even begin to have a conversation about what would it look like if another country were to like come in and like set up shop in some of these countries. Because the United States behavior towards the countries that neighbor it are, are nowhere near comparable to Russia behavior against countries like Moldova or countries like Georgia or um, countries like Ukraine. And the reality is on that destiny is that the United States doesn't do it with its neighbors. It's doing it halfway around the world in Russia's backyard. Things like that like the war in Syria, like, uh, you know, the, 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 the not true. violent what, overthrow US troops were of in Syria? two democratically elected governments. What U.S. In troops are in Syria? What U.S. troops were in um, Syria? Wait, you said what U.S. troops are in Syria? The U.S. didn't have ground forces in Syria. There was a small contingent of U.S. troops there, however. No, it's roughly a third of the country. The country is under uh, sanctions. Israel bombs it virtually every week. That's oh, not, wait, that's not no, true. No. To be comparable to what Russia is doing, Russia has like their entire military. Well, like, why did Russia into go into in there? They have, a base, they have a base. That's They have a, me, a base on the Mediterranean there. And the Americans going back, they invaded. They did not do that for years. It wasn't until Damascus was threatened by terrorist uh, groups that were aligned with Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State. That's oh, what sure. happened. And it's because, and you can read about it in the New York Times if you want, it was called Operation Timber Sycamore. And the CIA and its allies were arming terrorist groups in an attempt to overthrow the government of Damascus. Sure, we can talk about arming terrorist groups, and the United States almost certainly funded. No, but then they went the into the country oh, right. and carpet bombed cities, and now they occupy a third of the country, and it's still under sanctions. The United so States occupies a third, a third of Syria right now. Yes, oh, roughly where? a third. What, who do you think controls the oil in Syria? Uh, I don't know today. I know it was ISIS for a while. The American, I know I'm pretty the sure Turkey occupying forces and their Kurdish allies. It is my oh wait oh the Kurds that that Trump threw threw under the bus right that Trump uh, broke off all relationships with right after like no, I'm saying they... that they're still there. I'm I'm, I'm that's it. Look, I mean Turkey, yes, is is it got a lot of problems. They're a NATO member, and yes, they're acting aggressively in Syria. Dude, Russia invaded fucking Syria to prop up Assad right before he would fall, and then yeah, fucking why, just yeah, carpet, carpet bombed. Yeah, because because Assad is a is a useful idiot, is a dictator who's who will then be turned pro Putin. Actually, Syria under Assad, the dictatorship had what a long would, history of being pro What would the US do if, if Saudi Arabia was uh, attacked like that? I don't fuck. I don't fucking care. We're talking about in this case. I guess. Well, Syria, that's the problem, Adam. That's exactly the problem. You do saying know. that I don't. They're, they're helping I don't genocide in Yemen because Riyadh doesn't like the Houthis. We're, we're saying that I don't effing care about, that, about what saying what I don't effing care about what 
uh, with the United States in the context in, in the context exactly of exactly comparable right. situations in exactly comparable situations yeah. is exactly yes. the problem. We're talking about having. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're your right. Well, well, I should have clarified. And I should have clarified in this specific debate. I don't care about that because that's not what we're talking about, right? I well, think, well, why I mean, not? Because this is, because this is, Wait this a minute. Is, so yeah. the U.S. can kill hundreds of thousands of people in Yemen because this is a, a, a whataboutism is what you're doing. Well, I don't. No, it's not whataboutism. It's not Wait, hold on. Also, I want to clarify. Hold on. Yes, we can be critical of the actions of plenty of nations. You brought up Russia's intervention in Syria, can, I believe, it, relatively can, early in this conversation. We can, we can, it is okay to criticize even the actions of the United States, okay? But to try to say yes. that the actions of the United States are the same as Russia here is just not okay, true. No, 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 no. I'm that, serious. The American government has been responsible for okay. much more it's killing not, yeah, wait, 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 my wait, lifetime than wait. Russia has. Okay, okay. so... I. You're too. You're yelling over each other. We're gonna have destiny. Say Wait, what he's how can you? Say. You really uh, want to compare the death Connor, toll? Connor. Connor. Okay. Yeah. We're not talking about death tolls. This is like a two-year-old's. Why not? Talking about. I'll explain if you let me finish my sentence. Okay. Death tolls is not what we talk about when we're trying to figure out, like you know, is is a. How about aggressive wars? Okay. okay. How about the concept of gonna, uh, invading a country and trying to like break Iraq away territory? Or Afghanistan or yeah, Syria. So, tell me, so or what Libya. parts of like Iraq and Afghanistan or Syria or Libya has the United States broken off and and have like um? And, and, no, they and just killed. They country. just killed exactly. So well, you said no. It ranges from like hundreds of thousands of people so to maybe a million. Uh, is part of a regime change. Okay, so. <laughs> This is what we're going to do because it happens every single time. We're it's so have... different. You can kill as many people as you huh? want. Okay, this is what we're going to do. So both of you are just yelling over each other and nobody can hear anything. Wait, look at Kosa. And so... <laughs> okay, so both of you are just yelling and nobody can hear anything. So what we're going to do is we're going to have Destiny says say what he wants to say, and then we're gonna have Connor say what he wants to say in response to that, okay? And neither of you are gonna say anything while the other person is talking, okay? Destiny, you go first. Okay, hopefully I can finish my statement. Okay, if like if you are on this panel expecting either me or Adam to defend the U.S. invasion of Iraq or the U.S. occupation of Afghanistan for seven thousand years, I don't think either of us are gonna do that. I think that there is plenty of criticism fairly there to go around for the United States government for our foreign policy. However, to try to say that the United States made this mistake, therefore Russia ought to be allowed to do the same thing, or that I didn't Russia say that. Actually... Are you fucking serious? No, no Jeez, I'm not justifying Christ. what Russia's doing. I'm saying Can I that. My I can't, I'm not going to be able to finish. Okay, what Russia is doing is unique and that Russia is sending their armed forces to another country in order to, one, seize territory, like they did with the Crimean Peninsula, to annex it and take it as their own, and then, two, to break off parts of the country so that they can be independent states that they have a permanent peacekeeping presence in, like they did with Abkhazia and South Odessa in uh, Georgia, like they did with Transnistria and Moldova. These are not things that the United States does. Now, if you want to be critical of U.S. involvement in places like in Iraq and Afghanistan, that's fine. I'm pretty sure every single person in this call would share with your criticisms. But to say that, one, it's the same as what Russia's doing is false, and two, to use it to justify Russia's aggression is ignorant. That's my point. Well, I'm not using it to justify aggression. I'm saying that there is a pattern here where there are responses. Both Russia and the United States are... are governments that are led by men who are willing to wage wars and do things that none of us would do. So knowing that and knowing that they are the two largest nuclear superpowers, why would you support a policy that makes it much more likely that they'll come to uh, fight each other?
which is actually what's happening right now. I mean, look at look, look, you don't have to defend what the Russians are doing, but they're talking about uh, defending themselves uh, with nuclear weapons. NATO talks, I mean, excuse me, the U.S. talks constantly about how they're and they are they're defending Ukraine, helping them kill uh, Russians. Uh, you're talking about Kosovo. That was a break, breaking, changing borders. So real quick to jump in on, again, on Destiny's mean, point, Miss Connor, just real quick here to jump in on Destiny's point, I'd like to jump in here for half a second, is that he says that, you know, Ru America, the United States, the West doesn't do things like Russia does. They don't break away pieces of countries. They No, they full-fledged invade, annihilate other people's armies, overthrow their regimes, and occupy for them for 20 years. They don't annex them to America, sure. They set up pu puppet democracies that have absolutely no will to rule outside of the their Western puppet masters. So to say that uh, that you know Russia is way worse in this context than the West, there's just no leg to step to stand on. But again, like Connor said, we're not defending Russia's actions in Ukraine. What we're saying is take a look in the mirror and see that bombing country after country, overthrowing country after country, talking about regime change in uh, the Soviet, the, the former Soviet countries, and actually talking about regime change in Moscow, funding um, non-government organizations that are focused on doing things like that is behavior that antagonizes and causes escalation and conflicts like what we see in the Ukraine. And to not be able to see that is to not be able to see past the end of your own nose. With this, you're kind of actually stripping away agency from Russians and Putin, uh, because uh, what, what what you're implying here is that you know what the West does. You know, Russia Russia is like is like a cornered animal without with no sort of a, a, any any thinking skills. They're just gonna instinctively respond to what the West does. So the onus is completely on the West, and uh, and uh, 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 Russia's behavior and Putin's behavior will depend entirely on, on what the West does. This is incorrect. Uh, you, you you brought up the, the I think Connor brought up the 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 the, the new nuclear. Uh, weapons uh, point uh, currently look russia it was current russia is currently the first one to threaten nukes and the last one uh, nato and and uh, biden's response has, has unilaterally been dude look look just restraint it's very irresponsible don't say that no 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 no. and then putin's like hey by the way we have this brand new icbm huh? we just tested it hey by the way you know uh, you, you, the western support to ukraine threatens nuclear war you know if you don't want nuclear war then perhaps you should perhaps, perhaps you know then perhaps believe it putin should stop threatening with fucking nukes right it's the same thing same thing with with uh, with the uh, uh, with uh, war in Europe and peace, right? If you if you want, if you don't want war, if you want peace, well then, uh, well we, we we can talk, you know, for five hours about what the West could do, or Russia could just pull out of fucking Ukraine, right? So the reason why Russians are dying uh, at, uh, in in Ukraine is because Russians are in fucking Ukraine, right? Like this is just I, I, feel, I feel like we're talking next to uh, like talking past each other in this a bit, but uh, you know. Adam, I'll respond to your point right Go now. Ahead. Um, the <laughs> The whole idea that my position or, or our position, my position in particular, our position in general, is denying Russians some kind of agency is ridiculous on its face. Because uh, if we were talking to a Russian audience, if I was talking to a Russian audience, I would be saying, look, this war is completely unjustified. Here's the reasons. And here's what we should have been doing otherwise. What, what I actually already have done on my YouTube channel and, you know, so far so good. The FSB hasn't showed up for me. That's wonderful. Um, but when I'm talking to an American audience, what we're looking at is what are what is the West's policies that 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 are responsible that have led to this? Not that we're denying agency in Russia. 
Russia should not have invaded Ukraine. That's how we started this debate. Shouldn't have done it. But if we can't see that unilaterally getting out of nuclear nonproliferation treaties, unilaterally um, extending the borders of our military influence in Eastern Europe and in former Soviet countries, that these kinds of actions aren't antagonistic to the local power, which is Russia in that neighborhood, is yes, okay, okay, absurd. Wait, wait. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so uh, one point at a time. So, uh, the uh, a major recurring point that I see here is that is that NATO uh, sort of expanding around Russia is somehow a threat to Russia. Uh, this this is not true. Uh, what goes on in the inside those sovereign countries' borders is those sovereign countries' business. Just like how when Russia brings its military next to Ukraine's borders and you know just like has them there for months, uh, according to Sergei Lavrov, it is Russia's business what Russia uh, is allowed to do inside Russian borders. Same thing, uh, NATO countries, NATO, or like uh, prospective NATO member states, even it is completely their business what they uh, what they can and can't do within their borders. Uh, implying otherwise would be huge. A huge hypocrisy, uh, unless your unless your actual point here is to is to downplay uh, uh, Russia's wrongdoings and sort of overplay the West. So, uh, what countries yeah. do inside of their own borders, I agree with you, is largely up to those countries. However, it's completely up to those countries. No, not completely. There are externalities, just like, for instance, Defender 2021 and the the large scale NATO exercises inside of Ukraine that look like build up and to which russia responds with build up on ukrainian borders so okay, you have so to do, do you think there's there, always, there a, a there risk? always a, one question one question adam real quick Go is ahead. putting Go ahead. missiles in cuba is putting missiles in cuba in the 60s is that just you know everything it's, it's just people inside their own borders doing stuff like no of course not things that you do inside of your own country or inside of the countries of your allies have externalities and to not admit that <laughs> is to have an autistic vision of the world when also, we're talking about, we're talking really about quick, that, sure. when, when the wait, wait, Schultz wait, wait, government wait, took power wait, in germany wait, 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 there was wait, a question about wait, whether Connor, or not the coalition okay so that was the direct that was a question directed towards adam something so i want adam something to respond right because it was directed towards Fine. adam and Sure. So if we talk about nukes, that's it's absolutely a different question. I agree with you. However, putting troops uh, into within a country's border, so we're not talking about nuclear forces, just regular troops. That is, uh, of course, a different kind of animal, right? So, uh, what uh, if if a country decides to once again join NATO? Well, I mean, they're they're free to do so. And even if and if uh, uh, if. Uh, uh, NATO NATO allies decide to have a military exercise inside Ukrainian borders. I mean, that's that's also fine. And so, in your world, <laughs> then then then, uh, based on what you said, you must believe that Russia uh, Russia had seriously thought that there was a realistic risk of NATO invading Russia, right? Uh, if they were really so afraid of the exercises within Ukraine, the NATO exercises, which then triggered their force buildup, like if they if if Russia would if if Vladimir Putin thought that you know NATO. Uh, like if, if you thought, or, or like if you thought that, that that there was no chance of 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 NATO invading Russia, then then they wouldn't use this as a justification uh, for Russia's uh, true build up on the border. If you're following me, so, so I'd like to respond uh, so real quick we, to Adam, and then I'll kick it yes, over, and then I'll kick it over to Connor and Destiny, and I'll and I'll and I'll show up because I'm, I'm I know I'm taking a little bit too much airtime here, but here's the deal: okay. Russia. I do not believe that Russia legitimately believes that NATO in its current construction will invade 
Russia. That's absurd. On its face, no Russian uh, politician actually thinks that. The reality is that Russia understands what unstable governments happen. When the Soviet Union collapsed, it immediately, immediately made small countries large nuclear powers like Ukraine and Kazakhstan, for instance. And there was an entire period of time in, in in the early 90s, especially when we were like, are we going to have a nuclear war between small countries because they, they have been armed by the, the militaristic expansion of the Soviet Union? Russia looks at that and says, upheavals in Europe, problems in Europe, if there's military bases all along the Russian border, who knows what happens around the future? So the idea of geopolitics, of looking into the future, is saying not what would be done exactly today under the current construction of things, but what could be done with these tools in the near to uh, the to the, the near future, the now ten years down the road, fifteen years down the road, and that is something that they are responsible to doing, just like um, putting missiles in Cuba, just like. You know, for instance, the buildup of the German army on the Polish border. All of these things are legitimate security concerns. And again, not to see that is the prerogative, is the, uh, how to say, the, uh, the, the, the great prerogative of, of the West, which, and especially of America, which sits atop of the geopolitical order at the moment. To not take into consideration these, the legitimate security concerns of lesser powers is our prerogative, and we do so at our peril. Sure, and that's why Ukraine relinquished its nuclear weapons in exchange for its territorial integrity guaranteed by Russia, and we see what that amounted to. So, Okay, we're going to throw it over to Connor. Well, absolutely, and just like Libya and the United States. Okay, Connor. Libya, what about the United States is, uh, are not NATO or Russia. Has there ever been a history? Wait, where... Destiny. Sorry, I threw it over to Connor. Jesus. Got to cuck you. Sorry. Connor? Okay, uh, the U.S., uh, routinely, particularly under Trump, and it continued under Biden, fly strategic bombers within less than 13 miles of the Russian coast in the Black and Baltic Sea. They have placed uh, frigates and other warships in the Black Sea and the Baltic Sea that carry uh, nuclear weapons. Okay. Um, the also the you know um, when the Schultz government came to power before the war started. Uh, there was a question about whether or not these co- that the new coalition would be willing to continue to host American uh, nuclear weapons. And Stoltenberg said that if they decided not to, he would deploy them further east to Eastern Europe countries that are in NATO. So this, I mean, when you say nuclear war is unthinkable, the Americans or the British or the French would see it very differently if somebody else was doing these same things to them. And we know that because of the history of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I mean... Uh, I mean, I would just, I mean, and also, again, if you're talking about Ukraine, there, you know, again, overthrowing governments is also illegal. And if you're talking about, you know, again, I, that's what I'm, I mean, I don't understand. So if the Americans do that and then they, and also, of course, when you say that Ukraine, the idea that Ukraine, um, people say Ukraine won't join NATO. Why should the Russians believe that if, if they perceive a security threat here? And let's say hypothetically, Ukraine does did eventually bec- join NATO, and they were attacked. What would they be able to do? You know, it's 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 if this if the shoe was on the other foot, um, I think you would see things quite differently. And again, not defending Russia, but why do this? If there is a nuclear war, if Putin's an absolute madman, then why provoke him and the Russian people like this? If a nuclear war happens, or you just even though 
we agree that it's that would be horrible. I mean, are you going to rest assured that you were correct that that Moscow is is uh, or is run by an evil uh, right? What would you say, right wing dictator? If that's the case, then why provoke them like this? No, why? Right, yes. Yeah, but then why? Okay, that why do this? And you could also sure, argue that uh, people like you know George W. Bush is. I can right, I can answer right? the, I can answer this very quickly. Donald Trump. Sure, uh, I can answer this very quickly. So what you're advocating for here is appeasement, right? So uh, no, not show... appeasement. I'm yeah, saying yes, yes, it is. Why? Let, 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 let me let me let me answer, please. I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain. I swear. So, uh, in, so uh, following your logic, you know, Putin. If 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 we are afraid that Putin is a madman who might press the red button, right? It's it's unlikely. In fact, I, I don't think it will ever happen. But still, uh, then you know, why why are we getting involved in this? Why are we why are we trying to you know stop Putin? You know, uh, otherwise he'll just he'll just. Uh, 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 he'll just uh, press the button, and then and then we all we, we can rest assured, dying in in in, in like nuclear fallout, that we were correct uh, about our convictions, you know. Uh, so so why why try to stop Putin and risk nuclear war, and why try to confront Putin uh, as he tries to sort of um, uh, basically grind Ukraine into nothing, right? Um, okay, so then what? Uh, so then we have established that nuclear threats uh, are an instant sort of BTFO button uh, for the West, right? Uh, as far as Putin is concerned. So then, what if after Ukraine, Putin shows up at the at the uh, you know in, in like Estonia, uh, the Baltics, basically, and says, "Hey, by the way, uh, just give, give me back these countries. I still restore my for former sphere of influence. Otherwise, uh -uh, red button, guys." I'm about to press it. I'm about to press it. So you know, if following your logic, this this just leads to an endless cycle of appeasement where we back out, back out, back out, um, because because we don't want to risk nuclear war uh, over you know what like over Ukraine, over the Baltics. Look look how tiny those countries are. Are you fucking kidding me? Like nuclear war over fucking Estonia? Just let Putin have it. So this is the logical consequence of what that. you're advocating for. But the, but this is you, you you didn't say that. But this is the logical consequence of what you're advocating for. I also I think, don't it's think that's the case. I think it's being realistic and yeah, suggesting realistic. that it's not. Well, ha, I mean, have they? I mean, don't, don't you? I mean, don't you think that uh, this is unnecessarily provocative? I mean, why do that? Why Every, carry out these? Everybody does military exercises. Russia, China, not, not the, the Russians do not do the equivalent of uh, to the Americans. They literally the did. The British, United the Kingdom Germans. in February was literally scrambling jets as fucking Russia is like flying uh, like military bombers and shit like off of the coast of fucking Scotland. Like this, just 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 happened. two days ago. And just two days ago. Sorry, sorry, just two days ago, uh, Russian jets violate, actually viol violated Swedish airspace. So yeah, again. sure, and and I mean, Russian jets have violated Turkish airspace. Yeah, I mean, they down when they're on the way to Syria. Yeah. Like China does military exercises. North Korea does another eight hundred miles. I mean, it poses an threat. They've already said that they're wait, going wait. to deploy. We should probably let Destiny finish. He was waiting very long to say his point. People, yeah, people do military exercises all the time. Okay, but probably so that they don't end up in a situation. The Russians like Russia, don't do the Americans what yeah, we're doing. I, I, just, I, I specifically said we should let Destiny probably finish. Probably so that their military doesn't end up completely antiquated and unable to do anything like what happened when Russia attempted to invade Ukraine and has failed miserably to make the kind of progress that they want to do. People do military exercises all the time. We can't say that we can't do military exercises because if we do, we might provoke one country to invade another. What you're talking about is absolutely appeasement. Like, I'll ask this question a million times, and I'll never get a, 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 a straight answer. Do we ever see a situation where NATO is invading Russia? Or retrospectively, has there ever been a situation ever where NATO troops have fired 
on Russian troops. Like this doesn't happen. You can't you can't fabricate this hypothetical security concern and then use that as a foundation for invading a country because you think that there might be some kind of construction of NATO in the future that might possibly represent a threat to Russia that is unique with Ukraine joining NATO, even though we've already got the Baltics, even though we've already got Turkey. Like it just doesn't make sense. It's, we're on so many levels of abstraction here to invade the very real occupation of a country that it totally betrays Ukraine's right to have its own sovereignty and its own security interests. Okay. So again, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Kennedy threatened to essentially burn the world down. Now, again, with NATO, they are backing forces in Ukraine, whether you think it's right or not, that are that where Russian troops are dying. And yes, Ukrainians are dying too. So I mean, why, why would you, you're threatening, at what point does it become not uh, wise to push this issue so much with a power that has 6,000 nuclear weapons and has feels encircled and threatened and willing to launch feels this kind of invasion and to be, and when they knew the consequences of what would happen. Why, why do that? And why do the Americans seem to want to see, uh, why do certain NATO member states, uh, this has come out in Washington Post and elsewhere, why do they want the war to continue and not end too soon? Okay, so wait, Connor. So, so let, 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 let me get this straight. Russia, the biggest single nuclear nuclear power on the planet, feels threatened and unsafe and cornered. Yeah, they've been they, okay, they've been you. in circle okay. with NATO countries and military equipment and bases and bombers and missiles and troops. So and, I, uh, I, I, I like it. I like it when I like it that that, 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 that when this comes up, then 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 then, then like Russia's, Russia's nuclear arsenal suddenly doesn't matter at all, right? Uh, otherwise, but 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 when it comes to Ukraine, when it comes to us protecting Ukraine, then it's like, oh wait, dude, dude, dude like Russia, Russia has nukes. Don't you know that Russia has nukes? Has it means nuclear weapons? Those like those are nukes. And the, but when it comes to like you know, oh Russia is feeling threatened, it's cornered. Like once again, stripping Russia of its agency. Uh, I'm not cornered, saying that. I'm like saying a, that they have the then, then suddenly, they then suddenly, there's suddenly we, 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 we fucking forget about the nukes. Then suddenly we forget about the nukes. Huh? I haven't so, forgotten okay. the nukes at all. So then, can yes, we just you, admit that no NATO country is ever invading Russia? It's not yes, going to happen. Please. Please. No, there's no reason to believe that. What, so why? If they were, Russia, if, yeah, go ahead. Okay, mutually, if if the uh, powers look, if the regime in Washington was really concerned about mutually assured destruction which I hope a lot of them still are, they would not have launched this war where they're trying to literally isolate, weaken, and cripple Russia in a proxy war. war. We haven't launched a war. The U.S. didn't imagine, launch war. Imagine if the country becomes destabilized and impoverished, and they, are feel, they do feel they are pushed into a corner, and they do feel like they have to defend themselves. They have made this clear that they will do that. So why— Defend themselves against what? Against being attacked. Well, who's attacking them? Well, up until, I mean, again, you had. Uh, um, um, who's okay, attacking so, them? No one's attacking Russia. That's the Who's whole attacking point. Russia? Who, uh, who, who's attacking Russia, Connor? Who's attacking Russia? Okay, imagine if when the Americans invaded Iraq. No, no, who's attacking Russia now? Don't, no, don't, 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 don't give me Iraq. Don't give me Afghanistan. Who's invading Russia now? Who's, who's threatening who's Russia? Going who's going to attack Russia? Russia? Now? We don't even attack Russian troops yeah. when they're not in Russia. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, 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 okay. there's, to your point, they're not invading Russia because of mutually destroyed destruction, but they are learning, they have started a conflict now where there is, this was, look, Putin invaded Ukraine. No one's questioning that, but this came after 30 years of NATO expansion, eight years after the government in Ukraine was overthrown and then turned into a NATO outpost. They are acting to prevent Ukraine from being bought into NATO and from a threat, what they view as a threat to their security. Rightly or wrongly, I think you could make the argument 
that with the constant uh, military exercises, look, ask how do you how do you think the Russian people perceive all of this? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so why is Ukraine joining NATO a threat to Russia, the single biggest nuclear power on the planet? Because Ukraine has been used as a way to invade Russia for centuries. We okay, can't, so, so, hold on, so, no, no, wait, so, hold on. I got to. You can't. We can't. When we speak about what the security in Europe, we have to be smart and we have to talk about it from '91 to today. You can't compare an invasion of Russia from 200 years ago to today. I, well. My history is really bad, but I don't think we had nuclear weapons 200 years ago. The general way that armies function around the world was completely and totally different. Again, when you say, well, Russia was invaded through uh, Ukraine in the past, that's true because of the geography. That's not going to happen today. And you would, I, well, you haven't admitted as much, but I think any reasonable person would admit as much. If we wanted to invade Russia, we wouldn't be thinking like, well, Jesus, like we're, we don't have Ukraine as part of NATO. I guess we can't do it. Like They're in a Destiny proxy war with Russia. Completely right. Destiny is absolutely destiny. Anthony is absolutely correct when he says that we need to take into consideration the history from 1991 to today. What happened in the 90s in the Russian um, foreign policy? The United States supported the Chechen breakaway rebels who did massive incursions into Russia, took hundreds of people hostages on four different occasions, killed hundreds of Russian citizens, and we're like, you know what? We're the good guys. Don't worry. It's all good. We, you can, we can have outposts on your borders and nothing will go wrong. The people that we decide to support invade your country, kill your children like in Beslan. And you know what? It's fine. Don't worry. We're the good guys. Everything is fine. My understanding you, is that that, that Chechen, there was never any foreign U.S. support for, for any of that, the civil war stuff that was going on in Russia. Is that actually, is that a thing? Like Yes. They met with a leader and talked or were there actual arms? There were no U.S. troops there. Were there actual arms or anything transferred? Or was no, this just like there, a, I, there was CIA backing and Saudi Arabia's uh, backing. So, so, okay, 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 okay. okay. The CIA. Uh, yeah. By the way, so, but like, hey, guys. That's like, admitted I, in Strat I wonder, or the wait, Saudi Arabia. Connor, 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 wait, 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 just one second, one second, wait, one second. Wait, 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 wait. The, the question was asked what it was. Then he said CIA. Then there was objection. I think he should be able to clarify what he meant by CIA. He did Connor. clarify. There was nothing. That's what he meant to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, well, the, Connor, could you, do you want to clarify what you meant by the CIA? There is, uh, There was a congressional task force launch that indicated from, and there have been various intelligence sources that have said that that was the case. And the Americans were also supporting the Russians fighting the Chechens at the time. It's a very uh, sordid history, but there's okay, several so sources if you want to check it. Check it out. I, w I wonder. I wonder what. I wonder why the Chechens were kind of upset at Russians, though. <laughs> Imagine defending Russia in that conflict. But no, I'm not yeah. defending them. I'm saying this was provocative. Yeah. Okay. So, but but, uh, dude, like if Chechens, if, uh, if okay. We had one terror attack on 9-11 in the United States that then launched a 20-year war in Afghanistan where we, where we turned that country over again and again and again. That's bad, Imagine yeah. if Mexico, with the support of Russia, had invaded Texas and taken hundreds of people hostages on four different occasions over the course of 10 years. This is in not which analogous. Hundreds and hundreds of people had died. It this would be analogous, analogous, and it is a good counterfactual to think about. This is what we're trying to say, uh, Adam and okay, Destiny, this is, not is that okay, if you so do not try to walk a mile in the other guy's shoes, you are destined to repeat the errors of history. 
Okay, so this is not 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 analogous because okay, can you answer me this question, please? How come Chechnya was inside like Russian slash Slavian borders? How come they got ended up there? Are we going back be, before ninety one? Are we going back before ninety one and talking how come, about the how come Soviet Chechnya history was inside? and the imperialist yes. Russian history? Are we going yeah, yeah, back to Soviet yes. era, Adam, and talking just about quick, that, or are we talking quick, about from thirty one? Because question. if we're going this back to the Soviet question. era, Adam, Adam, this if we're going yes. back to the Soviet era. Remember that the United oh. Kingdoms, the United Kingdom, Japan, and America we're, we're, invaded we're Russia. There was a U.S. No, no, no. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Analogous to. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, uh, Kaz, don't don't mute Justice. I I was telling Adam to quiet down because Adam asked the question. I want Justice to be able to finish responding. Did my response get mutilated? Yeah, accidentally. So could you can you uh repeat? All right, so one more time. If we're going back to if we're going back to the Soviet era uh history here, and we're not restraining ourselves to nineteen ninety one and from then on, let's talk about that. The United Kingdom, Japan, and America invade post Tsarist Russia, and the United States has a military bases as deep into Russia as Central Siberia, Krasnyarsk which is analogous to Russia having had military bases in the 20th century in Denver. Like, this is insanity. We don't want to go down this road. Uh, dude, uh, I, yes, I don't think you. I don't think you want to go down this road because, like, for example, in the Second World War, uh, the U.S. gave massive support to the Soviets against the Nazis. Uh, so, I, I, there, there, so there isn't such a clear antagonism uh, between Soviet Russia and America, like the, 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 the way you think. But anyway, the, the reason why I asked a question about about the Chechnya, the reason why Chechens were kind of kind of uppity at Russians is because, of course, Chechens are also victims of Russian imperialism. And, uh, as, of course, we have all seen uh, we have all seen what happened to the Chechens. Of course, Grozny was fucking leveled, just like Mariupol. Uh, just, like, just like essentially raised to the ground. Uh, everyone's fucking murdered there. Uh, of course, uh, Chechens, the Chechen, Chechen rebels did have support uh, uh, internationally early on in the conflict, but as their methods got more brutal and brutal, that international support uh, evaporated over time. Um, but otherwise, this this doesn't, of course, excuse uh, Russia's uh, uh, sort of essentially genociding of the Chechen peoples, and then ap appointing fucking uh, uh, Kadyrov as as uh, as uh, uh, emperor supreme of modern day Chechnya. So, uh, so but, uh, yeah, this is what is this is this is what is also the, the result of Russian imperial action, which has a very long and very rich history. They've, look, they, they've always been doing this. They've been doing this for fucking hundreds of years, um, and. This, same thing with Ukraine, same thing with Georgia, uh, same thing with the Chechens back then, same thing with the Baltics. You know, this is this, this, just this, this continuation of this one big Russian imperial project. It's very aggressive. It's ethno-nationalist, by the way. The, the reason the reason why all these satellite states have Russian minorities is because they were fucking forcibly forcibly uh, moved in there, settled in there, and the local population was essentially culturally genocided. That's why that's why Belarus is at this point is basically 99% Russian. Uh, there used to be a Belarusian language, there used to be Belarusian culture. It has been systemically eradicated by Soviets. As far well, as I so many know, ethnic Russians in Eastern Ukraine as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly, exactly. More and hundreds yep. of thousands of Russians moving in. Yep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, if, I, so I, if, as far as the U.S. Back is, to, if okay. we're going to go well, back go to the 1800s yeah. and talk yeah. about Russian imperialism, let's go back to the 1800s and talk about Western imperialism. I don't think that that is very productive for this conversation. But I am glad that you brought up the Western support for the Soviet Union against the fascists in World War II, which, of course, is an undeniable historical fact. Which you makes it even more this. ironic and strange. Which makes it even more ironic and strange that the United States and the West is now supporting 
the Ukrainian government, who has serious Nazi sympathizers and serious fascist problems in its um, coalition uh, that that is governing coalition right now. Not saying that's a justification for war, but it is ironic. Justice, uh, you, 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 dude, you, you do not want to get into this, but okay, fine. So uh, uh, Russia is current, like uh, Ukraine is currently headed by, of course, a Jewish president, a Russian native speaker, as we all know. The Ukrainian Jewish community is is, is supporting him and is anti-Russian at this point. Um, of course, the the Ukrainian far right uh, like uh, won one seat out of four hundred fifty in the Ukrainian parliament. Also, if we if we want to if we if we really want to talk about sort of Nazi influences, of course, the Wagner Wagner Group and and all all, all other paramilitaries inside Russia. Are virulently, virulent fucking uh, far right, uh, far righters and Nazis. Also, back during the day, uh, even even during the heroic days of, of of the of the of the Great Patriotic War, as as Russians call it, the Second World War. Um, you know, uh, people uh, people back in the day uh, were try- were being demoted or or fired from from the government because of being too Jewish. That was a time when uh, the the uh, Russian government was trying to rub up to Hitler's Germany. Uh, and I have the quote here because I knew this would come up. Uh, let's see. When Stalin, re- Stalin replaced Litvinov with Molotov because the former was too Jewish. And I quote, the Soviet government intended to improve its relations with Hitler and, if possible, sign a pact with Nazi Germany. As a Jew and a, an avowed opponent of such policy, Litvinov stood in the way. And so Stalin got rid of him. So uh, the Soviet Union and also today's Russia has a re- really rich history of cooperating with Nazis, whereas Ukraine uh, seems to be the uh, has a huge Jewish population and seems to be the least anti-Semitic uh, country in Europe uh, based on statistics. So you can, you can so you can gesture at the far writers in Ukraine. Uh, this has this has been going on since by the way since fucking 2014, uh, but it doesn't make it you know any more true than it is. Uh, which is to say, it's not. Adam, I, 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 knowing that some of your your own influences that you claim as influences on you, um, like Sean or Triple Arrow, which I'm I'm glad for that. You should not make the argument that Ukraine has a Jewish president, therefore they can't be Nazis. It's ridiculous because you know, having followed the channels that I just that I just noted, that one of the greatest uh, how to say one of, the, one of the key arguments of Holocaust deniers is that, well, you know, there were Jewish people serving in the Nazi army. Well, you know, there was entire Jewish battalions in the Nazi army. So yes, you, you, how correct, could there correct. a Holocaust? So that uh, is I, a I agree, I agree. seriously, seriously, seriously infantile argument to make. And and I agree I, I, with you. And I agree with you that because if, of course, if I if I only base my argument on like, oh, hey, hey look, you know, you Ukraine can be far right. Look, you know, Zelensky is Jewish. That, that would be like me saying, oh, look, there's no racism in America. Obama, Obama is black. You know, yeah. Uh, however, uh, if I didn't, I didn't just uh, no, no, notice how I didn't just base my argument on like, hey, look, Jewish president, BTFO got him. No, there's a whole range of uh, uh, other factors that I brought out. Uh, Zelensky being a Russian native speaker, Jewish president, is just being one of them, right? Uh, also, this also I, I don't think you, you want to bring this up uh, that much because uh, Sergei Lavrov just came out and said that uh, said that uh, you know uh, he, you know even though Zelensky is Jewish, you know Hitler also has some Jew in him, so you know that's why Zelensky is a Nazi or some, something to, 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 to that effect. So careful with what you say because it, the chances are like oh. Russian propaganda has already tried to bullshit its way into our uh, zeitgeist with it. So 
also piggyback piggyback on and like thing here when we talk about like there being like a ton of far-right presence in ukraine this is literally the most concealed far-right presence of any country in the entire world right ukraine was the only country in the world besides israel to have a jewish head of state and jewish prime minister at the same time the far-right party the swoboda one that adam mentions they have one seat in parliament they have like fifteen thousand members across like a 40 plus million population country and if you really want to make claims like this there is so much far-right fascist stuff that exists within russian borders in a country that's like authoritative like authoritarianly authoritarianly controlled that has to run like at the behest of it. When you talk about like the Wagner group, nobody seems to bring that up. When you talk about the Russian imperial movement that literally sponsors foreign terrorists that have done attacks in other countries like Sweden, um, the idea that if you really truly care about some fascist or far right element existing, and then you've got to go to like Ukraine and get a fucking magnifying glass out to find out like which one of like 900 people might have like an SS tattoo on them and say, look, you've got a huge problem in Ukraine when every single military in the world probably has like some far right people in it. I think, um, I think it overplays like any fascist element that exists in Ukraine. And I think it underplays dramatically any fascist or far-right element that exists in Russia. Response to Adam and Destiny real quick here. Response to Adam and Destiny real quick here. Um, first of all, claiming that Zelensky is Jewish and talking about the you know Jewish influence here is again, it's you know, uh, it, it's 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 smoke and mirrors. And of course, I'm not saying that that's the only thing that the, that's the only thing you said. You also said. Well, the Soviet Union were also uh, racist, and the current Russian also have fascist elements. And to that, I would say Russia fought a devastating war against fascism, and they learned their lesson. And they've been trying very systematically ever since then to not go back to to not have anything to do with fascist uh, ideologies in their country. Are there fascists in uh, Russia? Are there fascist groups? Yes. To compare them to the problems that there that we have with fascist groups in Ukraine is absurd. Why did Minsk II not get implemented? Zelensky goes to the DNR and the LNR uh, front lines and says, "Guys, do his do his uh, Azov Brigade and the different fascist militias that are actually uh, the spearhead of that fight." And says, "We need to implement uh, Minsk II. We agreed to it. It's a good thing. Good for Zelensky. He's doing the right thing." And his fascist war dogs said basically pound dirt we are going to retake these these uh these territories we're going to push the russians out we're going to we're going to reassert our influence over this and kiev has nothing to say to us about that he's if you can show me a, a far-right fascist military group in Russia that has thousands of members and is fostering an ongoing hot war in its borderlands, I'll agree with you. Otherwise, yeah, well, well, Wagner, group. Wagner Group is in Ukraine. Also, uh, by the way, and then also, real quick, when we talk about like the fascism between Russia and Ukraine is incomparable, I do agree with that. Russia undeniably operates like as a fascist country. I don't see Ukraine doing it. Like when you're literally making the arguments that there is an ethnic people that exists in another country, so I need to go into that country to defend them violently and break away states. That is pretty fascist. You like you have your authoritarianism, you've got your ultra nationalism, and you're using it with ethnic like roots. Like I don't know how much more fascist you could possibly get. And the everybody always cites like uh, the Minsk agreements in terms of like the the they didn't work, they did work, and different sides get blamed on it. I have never seen anybody credibly talk about these agreements mm -hmm. being implemented and actually working appropriately like the fighting constantly raged on nobody had any idea like they argued both sides about what was going to happen with the donetsk international airport the um dpr themselves literally said that like ah you know what fuck that we're still going to fight here you know you guys 
do the rest of the stuff. Um, Ukraine wasn't happy, obviously, with the, the outcome of that. The idea that there was like one side that was consistently breaking these agreements is just not true. Like these were a shit show from the start to the end. The the second accords had the same problem with the first. And I don't think you can point to like the collapse of these agreements as just like Zelensky being war hungry over what was going on. I'm pointing to the collapse of the Minsk II agreements, not as Zelensky being war hungry. He wasn't, but of him not having control over his far right militias. Wait, Minsk, Minsk II was actually, I think Minsk II was broken by separatists launching an offensive. Uh, on, I, I believe, Avdivka in, in the Donetsk region. Anyway, uh, feel free to look, feel free to, 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 to look it up. Uh, what I wanted to actually harken back to, just to, since we're almost out of time for the debate section, just to put a fine, nice little ribbon on it. Uh, when we talk about like heroic Russian anti-fascism, uh, everyone just feel free to Google the uh, German-Soviet axis talks. This is more of that real politic for us. Uh, when Soviets tried to ally with the Nazis and then, uh, you know, carve off sphere of influence uh, around the world, which only, uh, which didn't happen only because uh, uh, Hitler was uh, too greedy uh, in the end, or, or either Stalin, or one of the two. But anyway, uh, heroic Russian anti-fascism has been a, uh, funny enough, a, a far-right nationalist myth uh, in Russia used to drum up, uh, drum up nationalistic fervor. Uh, otherwise, it's complete bullshit. Uh, Russia, the Russian military was uh, not as great as they say. Uh, without you, without substantial U.S. support, it would it wouldn't have won the Second World War that easily, at least. And uh, also, in the beginning, it tried to ally with the Nazis pretty overtly. So, uh, and Russia, yeah. and Russia paid okay. the price After of 27 million of its people for that mistake, and they have recognized that ever since then. So to bring okay. up past errors that they paid for in blood 27 million people okay well i'm sorry to cut this off but the debate portion has ended we're completely out on the clock so i just wanted to make sure that kaz could uh gain hold of the the q a section where people like to make questions and stuff right that's what we're going into now kaz yep okay <clears throat> Thank you, Dylan. Really appreciate that. I want to let you know, guys, um, if you have a question for one of tonight's debaters, please uh, go ahead and send it. Super Chats will be going to 100% of them will be going to the charity for tonight's uh, cause, which is Crutchfeld Jakob Syndrome. So please go ahead and send uh, Super Chats if you would like. Uh, if you uh, would like what you heard from one of tonight's debaters, their links are in the description below. So uh, like the stream if you like what you heard, share it if you want to spread it, and uh, subscribe for more juicy debates in the future. Um, and again, we ask that you keep it civil, attack the argument and not the person, as the insults will not be read. So we're going to go ahead and kick it into the open uh, the Q&A now. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask the first question. And that comes from Ezekiel Bread, and he says, can you say Obamna? Obamna. You must hear from everybody. <laughs> Obamna. All right. <laughs> Um, Dylan, do you want me to go ahead and send you some of these questions too, uh, so you can ask them as well? Uh, sure. If anybody in my chat wants to do super chats as well, that's right. fine. So uh, gonna, we can take all the money at the end of it, and I'll send it over. I'm gonna send a question in the uh, the private chat here in the streamyard, so you can go ahead and ask that question, and then after you're okay. done with that, I'll send the next one. This is from Ezekiel Bread. Why do people wear gloves? Because their hands are cold. Why did Russia invade Ukraine? Because their hands were cold. They lacked the heating resources oil. Actually, the reason is more demographics, really. Uh, Russia is, is, in, is in heavy, high demographic decline, and uh, Putin realized that uh, it, essentially this was the, his last chance of uh, making any meaningful dent in Ukraine. Uh, their conscription numbers are, are decreasing year by year, or I would say uh, half year by half year. And um, 
or so I've read. So basically, this was his last chance, and apparently he fucked it up. We lost Connor. Uh -oh. oh, okay. No. Oh. Uh, we still have super chats coming in, guys. So just bear with me for one uh, second. Do we get to respond? Cause normally, oh, yeah. the, the normal want to, routine yes. is yeah. that we get yeah. to respond. So I was muted for trying to respond to that question. Were you? Sorry. The, uh, yep, no problem. The Whatever the reasons for the invasion of the Ukraine might or might not be, oil and and natural resources as far as as far as natural gas is definitely not one of them. Russia has one of the largest reserves of oil and natural gas in the world outside of the Ukraine. Invading them does does nothing for 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 them in that sense. Yes, yes, I, I agree. All right. Uh, I hope Connor comes back. Um, the next question comes from uh, who is this? Uh, did you already read? Uh, uh, Joe Schwartz is uh, one ninety nine. Says, "What's your favorite video game and why?" <laughs> is this relevant for our debate? <laughs> who is the question for? Are we all supposed to answer? Or? Uh, whoever wants it, I guess. <laughs> mine is for I'll, now I'll surviving kick it over Mars. To the gamers. Yeah. I'll kick yeah. over the gamers. For now, mine is like surviving Mars. So, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to just pets, cats, too, of course. You know, I'm, gonna Goose Game. Dylan, I'm gonna send you this Google Doc link. Can you click on that for me? Uh, and can you sure. Open that? All right, so I'm gonna just go ahead because people are still sending in super chats and questions, and I'm gonna have to keep fielding them. So I'm just gonna keep doing that and let you just read them off as you go. And then when you we get to a point where we can't go anymore, we'll stop. Hopefully, Connor comes back. Um, and I'll just read the next question that we are at until you get in there. Uh, from uh, Mark Marximus 1000 for 40 czar, um, for Adam something, if the Putin regime collapsed, do you think that there is a desire to instate a lib democracy? If no, what might it look like? That's a tough question. Uh, I honestly don't know what would come out of uh, a um, Putin regime collapse. Uh, might be civil war, might be some other clique. Uh, some other oligarchical clique uh, taking over. I would say, if if the Putin regime does collapse, my I would my in, I would intuitively reason that it would be just uh, just uh, an, uh, another sort of Silovic, uh, another oligarchical uh, clan uh, taking over uh, power, which at that point will be perhaps more amicable towards towards the West because all these people care about is money and power, and that's where the money comes from, the West. Gotcha. Um, are you in there yet, Dylan? Yep, sure. From Mr. Saxokit, uh, he says, with quotation marks, you see, in 2008, NPC music intensifies. I you see from 2008? Is that what it was? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you want to do the next one, or should I do the next one? Go ahead. I'm just trying to figure out where we are. What talking about. <laughs> From, um, I think, Maximus or Czar, one of the two. Is there any analogy to be had between the policy of appeasement with Germany during World War II and the global community response to the Putin regime? I mean, I would say that, like, the, the, this, I think it's very weird to say, like, Ukraine isn't allowed to join NATO because that will provoke Russia when, like, there is no aggression towards Russia. 
there is no attacking towards Russia and there's not any future, there, there's no plans for NATO to start bombing or attacking Russia. It feels like appeasement that Ukraine isn't allowed to make decisions about the future of their country and the future of their security because they have to be a slave to Russian interests. Okay. Uh, I've got a bunch of uh, super chats rolling quick, on my uh, side jump, now. Oh, sure. Jump yeah, in on that. Um, the, the behavior of the West towards Russia in the 90s and the early 2000s has proved that the West West generally has ill intent towards Russia and its and its interests. So to say that NATO expansion is just oh it's okay it's fine there there's no world that that's going to ever have a problem is again like I will keep repeating this debate. It's to not it's to look at the world solely through the side of the West and not to look at it as as it looks from the Russian side. And I'll keep asking where is the NATO aggression towards Russia, and I'll continue yeah. to receive no response. Yeah. Good. Where is the Soviet? Where is the Soviet aggression towards the United States when you put missile bases in Cuba? It's not about. First of all, different security situation. Also, it's not about Russian aggression towards the U.S. It's about Russian aggression towards its neighbors. I'm pretty sure that after Georgia, after Moldova, after Ukraine, if you were to go up and ask Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, Poland, Hungary, like, hey, how do you guys feel in NATO? I'm pretty sure all of them are pretty excited about their membership. I'm pretty sure they're sitting pretty good right now. Yep. And, and and ironically, even Finland and Sweden now, countries that priorly were, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, deciding, you know, yeah, we don't want to aggress on Russia, maybe it is too much, are now actually starting to flip their opinions on whether or not they should. I think Finland might have actually drafted something up that might be like coming up for consideration. And and both of them, both of them are about to join NATO in the coming months. Mm -hmm. uh, this uh, this is from Streaks three two one. What does justice have to say about the fact that the majority of the Jewish community around the world has rallied behind Ukraine? Uh, that was breaking up. Something about the Jewish community. Yeah, they they basically asked, "What do you think about the international Jewish community largely rallying behind Ukraine?" I think the international Jewish community is under the same influences as the rest of the world, and just like the you know the Jewish community um, rallies around the state of Israel, even regardless of their policies towards the Palestines. Um, the Jewish community around the world can be mistaken. Okay. Uh, do you want me to just keep going, uh, Cass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it away, man. Okay. This is from Ali uh, with $50. Thank you very much. Question. How can you say that the United States is occupying a third of Syria? That takes agency away from the Kurds, an autonomous group that takes part in their own geopolitical relations. The SDF recently signed a security accord with Bashar al-Assad. Yeah, so this this is something weird. I, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. If, if it was you, that was Connor's. That was Connor's point. Um, I wouldn't be so bold as to say that the United States uh, it occupies a third of Syria. That the fact that they did the United States did support um, the overthrow of the Assad regime or the the, the the attempted overthrow of the Assad regime that is undeniable. Uh, I actually want to piggyback on that. Uh, actually, it's, it's actually uh, really weird. Like uh, the more you move in these like weird pro-Russian circles, uh, <laughs> the more uh, I, th I think Destiny made this point originally. Like the more you go to these like weird extreme positions, like in this case the pro-Russian, the more these sort of smaller ethnicities and groups disappear. And it's all about the U.S. and it's all about Russia. And then these and like uh, uh, these smaller groups like the Kurds or Ukrainians have virtually zero agency. They just play things of the of the larger players. 
I do want to say before you read the next question that Connor did warn us before the stream began that he had a hard out time at around five o'clock his time, which I oh, think yeah. is coming up in about 15 minutes. Um, so that's probably where he is now. So if anybody's wondering where he is, um, hopefully uh, he is doing okay and we wish him the best. But we this is a charity stream, so we're going to go ahead and try to press on for the question. So go ahead, Dylan. Yep. Darth Elsa, uh, can you guys explain why peace-loving Russian troops are flying the hammer and sickle if it's just about Russia defending itself? Oh, good question. That is a good question. And the answer has to do with internal Russian propaganda and narrative setting on the entire uh, Ukraine invasion. The Russians see the Ukraine invasion, as Putin laid out in his pre-invasion speech, um, as a... Um, say, well, not saving legacy is not the right word. Is not the right is not the way to say it. But the the Ukrainians being pro-fascist and the Russians being anti-fascist and the great anti-fascist legacy of the Soviet Union and that has cultural uh, memorable significance. Again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's correct. I'm saying that's how they see it. Okay. I do like to just on something Adam said earlier. I think it is a bit ironic that. Like, there haven't been very many true fascist empires in the history of the world, and Russia did try to align with one of them when it came to it. But yeah, uh, and paid from... the price of twenty-seven million dead. I mean, this is from... go ahead. This is from Stan G for justice. According to his logic, how is it that Ukraine didn't learn from its seven million World War II casualties, but Russia did? The problem, the the tragedy of the game the great game the great the, the game of great powers the, the united states the western powers and the eastern oriented powers like russia and china the great tragedy of that game is that small countries are lost in the shuffle the the, the ukrainians have learned lessons absolutely tragic lessons from the the world war ii and pre-world war ii eras and those lessons are it's it you know who do you want to align with the the communists who instigate Haldemore or the fascist Germans who in, instigate um, you know Auschwitz and and um, uh, yeah Svensson, um and and the Holocaust so that 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 is part of the fraught history of of Ukraine right now and again Ooh, if yeah. I were to take a Iron Man the side of the Ukrainians and the support of far right militias and so forth and so on I'd say. Yeah, but it's a lot more complicated than just Nazis. And I would actually uh, go so far as to say, yeah, sure, I agree. And now NATO is an option, and that's why Ukraine wants to join NATO. And that's why all these other countries want to join NATO, because they've learned their lesson. They don't want Russian imperialism back, and that's why you see NATO expanding, quote-unquote. Okay. Um, you said that insults are not allowed. What if they're just snarky comments? Is that okay or not okay? Um. I know which one you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I think that um, this one is technically okay, but okay. I would if you I, think I, it's I, not actually, okay, then I, go ahead. I, I, have, I have a I have a separate one. Uh, actually, it's it's a lot more tame, I assume. Um, this is from looks at Gordo. It has quotation marks. Uh, could I be wrong about this topic? No, it's the international Jewish community who is wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next one. This is from Ezekiel Bread. Oh, God. 
is this war wearing on Putin? I can, I can imagine him saying, I am admittedly beset by tiredness. Very good, guys. Good job. Very, great job. Nobody else understands it. Thank you very much. Okay, next. Uh, this is from Look It's Gordo. Defending Russia in this invasion is just despicable. But, but, but America. Okay. True. Again, on. I will say that I'm not, I will really quick say that I'm not defending the invasion of Ukraine. Russia had legitimate uh, security concerns in the expansion of NATO, and they should have pursued other peaceful means of making their those concerns, those legitimate concerns, heard on the international uh, in the international community. The invasion America, of Ukraine is an atro- the invasion actually, of Ukraine kidding. is an atrocity. But, but America, the antagonism of the West sets the stage, and I'm for really curious. us in the West to deny that is again unfortunate. I'm really curious. Would you make the same statement about the United States and Afghanistan, that Afghanistan represented a a legitimate security concern with their harboring of the Taliban and everything and the existence of them there after 9-11 or? I would say that the United States had legitimate uh, security concerns in Afghanistan, but that did not justify a full-fledged invasion of the country. Oh, just curious. Okay, moving on. This is from Darth Elsa again. Does justice not see the correlation of Russia threatening its neighbors and those neighbors wanting to join NATO? There is an absolute correlation between those neighbors wanting to join NATO and the perceived uh, threat of Russian aggression. Um, But again, the perceived threat of Russian aggression increases with Western um, incursion into those regions. So it's it's you know, it's a tit for tat. Sure. Okay. Western incursion into those regions, as in countries democratically voting to align with themselves with the West. So anyway. As in the Crimea democratically electing to re-annex itself to Russia. A massively fraudulent uh, election where the two choices were yes or yes, but later. Next question. Okay. Wow, that I didn't expect the end right there. Okay, this is from Mr. Saxelkeet again. Uh, this is the best comment. Mod God Dylan, undisputed champion of the world. Thank you for my daily ego boost. <clears throat> Next question. Jason Turner, at Adam. This is for you, Adam. Not crapping on your neighbor's lawn is not appeasement. It is called understanding boundaries. Connor is the only person making sense here. Well, I um, I empathize with you and whatever brain damage you're suffering. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm being a bit mean. mean I'm sorry. Uh, no, actually, uh, not scrapping on other people's uh, carpets. Like, dude, no. Like here, Russia instigated. Like that's 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 the whole thing. Like here, here, like like uh, uh, Russia shits on your carpet and then dares you, right? So like, yeah, do, 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 uh, you know, I shit on the carpet. But what what now? Motherfucker, I got nukes. So you got that? I think other way, the other way around. Okay, from. This is from uh, Jason Turner. Uh, Destiny, what does Melina's boyfriend think? Good question. Great question. Well, what does he think? Uh, I don't know. I'll have to go turn on her stream and ask him. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. This is for Justice. This is, this is from Vish. Justice, how long was your essay at the beginning? Was it a five-page essay or just a five-paragraph essay? Are we just reading this it was, shit talking comments? What the fuck? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was 1,300 <laughs> words. Okay. Jesus. Hey, Destiny got one. Justice had to get one, right? It was, it, you know, you got to be, you got to be an impartial moderator. Uh-huh. Okay. 
this is one second. Okay. Drill Dr. Ill. Are Connor and Justice willing to admit that Putin came to power by doing blatantly false flag apartment bombings to start the second Chechen war? Wow, that's a very controversial uh, <laughs> uh, comment. As right as soon as uh, the people in the United States are willing to admit that George W. Bush stayed in power in the second term using false flag attacks on 9 11. But oh, wait. <laughs> wait, first of all, first of all, the whataboutism into the 9 11 trutherism that was a brave turn. We just like pivoted like three times, like so. Hard. That was insane. I, I actually respect the fuck out of that answer. That's okay. Okay, then I guess we're just moving on. Um, <laughs> okay, Denny Mus for the Russian side, uh, which I assume is referring to justice. Why do these countries want to join NATO in the first place? Good question. Wow. I, I wish we knew. Again, why Central and Eastern European countries would want to join NATO is self-evident. Why NATO would want them to join is not quite as obvious. Wait, can we get? Can we speculate? In order to join NATO, every single country has to be on board with them joining. Like, when you say it's self-evident why they would join, why would they join? Uh, Central uh, European and Eastern European Small countries yeah, on the border why would of a large people, superpower? Why would they want... <laughs> it almost sounds like... No, I don't want to misconstrue what you're saying, but it almost sounds like you're saying they would want to join because for some reason that large superpower might be like intruding into and fucking with a country. But I, that couldn't have been what you meant. Is that... Because there's been 400 years of history between Eastern Europe and Russia of mutual aggression. So yes, there, there uh, are... Most, mostly Russian genocide and Russian invasion. Like uh, the invasion yep. of Russian by the Poles or the Lithuanians or the French, like those. Uh, that's kind of ancient history, which is no longer no longer relevant here. I said four hundred years of mutual antagonism from both sides. Okay, I don't think Napoleon invading Russia is a kind of a factor here. I'm sorry, I think you're reaching a bit. I think I think okay, sticking here to the twentieth century or like late nineteenth century is a much more useful metric. The United the United Kingdom. Japan and America invading Russia after the fall of the Tsarist regime? That close enough in history for you? It, invading, like, di, I'm sorry, invading, like, what was it, like, uh, all these three countries, Japan, UK, and what, what is it, US, they marched their armies to the borders and started taking over and annexing uh, Russian territory and then maintained puppet regimes, etc. Like, what, did that happen anywhere? Yes. Really? And you, as a and you, as an Eastern European Europeaner, unlike our other uh, American viewers and and interlocutors, should know your history a little bit better. You 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 have more cultural memory than this. Oh sure, uh, I, sh I, sh I should look up the the, the, the famous American and uh, Japanese and uh, English puppet states on Russian territory. Oh, okay. Yeah, and also I, I like you cultural memory is is I would argue can can be quite short depending on what we're talking about, right? Like this idea that we can go back four hundred years to justify any Russian action today. Like, how wasn't it like two hundred years ago Canada burned down our White House? Like, are we going to go marching into fucking Toronto <laughs> to steal some of their shit? Like, I, I, I totally don't buy that. I think that we have to segment history into very specific like like 
regions of time where we can like look at how people behave in certain points. Like you would never go back to the to the rampant imperialism of you know like the thousands to the 1800s or whatever all through the European continent and go well they used to do it then now we can do it now because if that was the case I'm pretty sure my history sucks but I'm pretty sure that literally every single European country can justify like constantly invading and shitting on like France and and, uh, and Great Britain and shit like you can do it forever using these types of historical arguments. I, I think that the states the of, question- of the world and the arrangements change as time goes on. The but question I, I, wasn't I believe- whether or not the question whether wasn't whether or not uh, the historical precedent justifies Russia invading Ukraine or other Eastern European countries. The question was why would Eastern European countries, Central European countries, want to join NATO? I said historical antagonism between the two uh, on both sides, uh, but uh, thereby implying that you know. Yes, thereby implying that that these historical precedents do, in fact, you know, factor into this current uh, circus. They uh, but also, uh, into I, th- I think it, policy decisions th- on th- both sides. I, Absolutely. Sure. I, I think I think it says I think it says uh, uh, a lot about our debate here that 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 uh, that we can point at like very evident, very contemporary, very clear cut examples uh, to support our points, and you have to reach back to four hundred four hundred years ago. Chechnya invading Russia in the nineties with United States support. Okay, I, we gotta move. We gotta move on. <laughs> okay, there's no, no, so, just move. Go, go, go. Okay, um, this is from Mike B. Just as an argument that Ukraine is a Nazi country seems shaky at best, can he rattle off a quick justification? Justice never said that Ukraine is a Nazi country. Justice said that part of the governing coalition in Ukraine now, uh, the sig- a significant part of the military or militarized portion of that coalition has troubling Nazi associations. And that this what, what, is what, what very troubling. How big of a part? This is very troubling in the uh, Russian um, context as they're trying to, when they're trying to assess foreign policy uh, um, risks and set agendas. So it is an issue. It's not the issue. And it's definitely not saying that the Ukraine that Ukraine is a Nazi regime. I never said that, and I would not support that. Sure, but like, well, uh, okay. First off, yeah, I, I bet Russia is worried that like they might get some like you know uh, competition in the Nazi shit. But uh, otherwise, like, I, I, I do want to know this because I I I, I want to know honestly. I, I never get a, I never never ever 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 get a, get a, a clear answer to this from like pro Russian people. What percentage or what portion of the Ukrainian military is Nazi? And you, it doesn't even have to be exact, like just like a ballpark. Are we saying yeah, like yeah. 50%? Are we saying like 0.1% like ballpark? We're talking about uh, in the in the order around 10%. No. Around 10%. They have 200,000 active military personnel. They're, so the whole Svoboda party has 1,500 members. But there are, you know, right. more the, the members Russian, than the, that. The Ukrainian, in, they, the Ukrainian army has the Ukrainian security forces. The Ukrainian army has somewhere around 200,000 active members and the combined uh, overtly Nazi militias are somewhere around 15, 16,000, just, just under 10%. Who are the avowed? First of all, Wait, I don't think can, they technically can... have like paramilitary militias anymore, right? They were all incorporated in 2014 into the armed services proper. But aside from the Azov battalion, are there other like prominent, like that used to be huge militias that are all like Nazis or what, what, are, we, what are we defining as Nazi here? Yeah, uh, you might you might want yes, to break that up the, with the source. Yeah. Or, I, yeah. or I, I don't I don't I don't even be that mean. I'm just well, curious, like who who are you referring right, right. to? Like, yeah, I'm not. I don't I don't have to. I don't have the links like right under my hands to send into the chat. But look into it. Look into the overt uh, Nazi fascist uh, militias 
that have been very active in the Donbass region since 2014. No, yeah, they were on, not on, on, the, on the Russian side, definitely. They, they were not all incorporated into the uh, Ukrainian military. And again, this is not a major point that I'm trying to to rest on. I'm simply a, saying that, that seems like a again, you believe that taking into consideration, taking into consideration <laughs> the incursion of Chechen rebels into Russia in the 90s and how devastating and terrible that was. When you have proto-Nazi groups on your borders, it's you know troubling. Sure. Just just real quick. Uh, this, this 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 is about the U.S., so it's it, it'll be intuitive. So uh, we so ISIS. I believe we can agree that uh, ISIS exists or existed in, in its in its uh, peak form uh, due to foreign meddling, due to uh, U.S. invasion, right? Because uh, same. I would say uh, to some extent, same with the Taliban, uh, because foreign invasions give uh, this sort of major boost to these like far right crazies uh, in all countries. So if Russia is worried about uh, uh, Ukrainian Nazis from a real political perspective, wouldn't it be wouldn't it make sense not to invade because that just tends to galvanize uh, far right people and like tends to give a huge boost to these far right uh, militias? It seems to me that Russia was, was involved. You asked a question, that. I'm answering. You asked a yeah. question, I'm answering. You asked a question, oh, go I'm ahead, answering. Go ahead, please. please uh, go ahead, go ahead. It, seems, it seems to me that you and our viewers are confusing pro-peace position and pro-Russian. I, again, started my opening comments with the invasion of Ukraine is an unjustified aggression. And, and it's a tragedy. And, it's an, and I, I condemn it. And I'm risking prison time by condemning it inside of Russia. I am not pro-war in this situation, but to be not pro-war and to say at the same time that I see a history of antagonism that has brought us to this point are two different things. So, so this, is, this is the thing. that it, Would it be better for Russia to have not invaded Ukraine? Absolutely, without question. Sure, but here okay. the pro peace position is the pro. Anyway, sorry, dude. Go ahead. No, this comment's much more important, Adam. Uh, this is from Kasim. Adam, nothing but lies. Why are you running from Haas and Jackson on this topic? You lied and <laughs> they backed out. The DMs prove otherwise. Oh, that's oh, that's so funny. Like, yeah, uh, the the originally we were supposed to debate. Uh, I think uh, 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 you know the like infrared and uh, and uh, Hinky. Uh, Jason Hinkle or, or what's his name? And Jack, uh, uh, Spinkle, Tinkle, sp sp Sprinkle, yeah, Hinky Dinky. Anyway, like both of them, like, and then Jay, and then I got this email from James, like, hey, Adam, like a day before the debate or something, hey, Adam, I'm so bummed to, to say, but like, uh, I, despite my best efforts to persuade them, like, they, they, they just like canceled, like, uh, uh, Infra and uh, Hinky Dink. And it's like, okay, well, and then, and then I, and then I started getting these like screenshots of them, uh, uh, wait. Afterwards, I made a YouTube post without, like, a community post without ever mentioning them. Like, dude, and like, am I really that scary? Like, how come these dumbasses like won't debate me? And then, like, I got started getting these like screenshots of them just like molding on Twitter that like it was actually me who canceled, which is not true. Uh, hey, uh, Infra Hinky Dink, if you want to debate about Ukraine, I'm fully open to it. Uh, just don't bitch out next time, okay? Okay. Go so beta. Next is from Branchy Moore more i'm just gonna branch you more will justice and connor sadly connor's not here tell us their take on the russian invasion of afghanistan the, the war did much more damage in the 10 years than america's war in 20 killed up to 2 million and displaced millions more Ooh. the there was no russian invasion of afghanistan 
Uh, you should look at your history a little bit better. Uh, Soviet invasion. Yeah, that's what they meant. Oh, oh, Soviet invasion. So, yes, there was a Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. And a condemned, just to put, to, just like put you back on track. American, it, uh, and just as I condemned the United States invasion of Afghanistan, the United States of Iraq, um, and the other the another United States invasions, I for peace. Fantastic. Uh, the next question uh, is, Adam, what is the reason that the Baltics joined NATO? I want, I, I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Maybe it's because like Russia was like too friendly and they were like, I don't know, just like afraid of like Russia's love and friendship that they bestow on their neighboring countries. I don't know. I, 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 th I think I just need to look into it. Uh, next one. Uh, this is from Alex Paris Lobel. Uh, this is for Justice. It says Justice and Adam, but I, I think this is more directed towards Justice. Could you elaborate on how modern Russia is slash isn't a fascist state? Uh, no uh, quoting it learned from its mistakes. All right. Um, I would say go find a good definition of a fascist state before you throw those allegations around. Sure. Uh, Why well, Russia is fascist? So it it has uh, uh, it has used uh, ethno-nationalist uh, uh, propaganda and, and ethno-nationalist talking points to justify invasion the invasions of Ukraine and also all other countries. Uh, when when in, when invading uh, Ukraine on the eve of the invasion, Putin essentially made a blood and soil speech where he justified the invasion based on ethnic terms. Uh, you know, just like Hitler did with the Sudeten and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, also in Russia, uh, there's this uh, rabid uh, state-sponsored nationalism uh, uh, across the country. Uh, it's extremely traditionalist. Gays are basically like uh, hunted or second-class citizens at best. In Chechnya, there have been actually some like actual uh, people with guns going out to like kill gay people. Uh, it's extremely traditionalist, obsessed with the with this national plot. Uh, Ukraine is both uh, weak and strong. It's both this uh, it's, it's both this pathetic little rump state and this overwhelming threat that they should stop, otherwise Russia will be in danger. Um, yeah, I think you know, it's, it's I, I all think there. That, I think it's a too easy of a question. Here's like here's a really hard question that I would like to answer. How is Russia not a fascist state? What does Russia do that it's like, man, that's something that Russia does that definitely isn't fascist? Oh yeah, I'm curious for justice. Do you have an answer? Like what? What like? Because it has every indication of of a fascist state. I, I think I don't even know if that's controversial to say. Like, I think that I think that when you're you're trying to prove a point and you and you have a positive position, you are the one who needs to provide evidence, not the other way around. Well, sure. So Adam said it right. You have like a highly ethnically oriented country. You had the whole. Um, it sounds like Adam is referencing the. Um, or actually, there was a speech by Putin. There was that accidental publishing of the document once Ukraine was supposedly liberated to take it over, where it's essentially like we are a kindred spirit. We have similar people. Um, a lot of the justifications given for actions in Georgia, in Ukraine, is look at all of the ethnic Russian people here. We have to defend our ethnic Russians. Um, this this top down push for this like hyper nationalistic hyper Russian spirit. You've got uh, something Adam didn't mention: the the complete and total alignment of all of your corporate sector with the government via the oligarchical controls that these families oh, yes. that are close to Putin have over the country how is it not a fascist regime so the the bringing up of putin's speech on the eve of the invasion and his um arguments for blood and soil is bringing up a single instance of rabble rousing um as proof of a system of a system much like for instance liberals in the united states bring up uh, Donald Trump's rabble-rousing as proof that he was also a fascist regime. I don't think that either of those constitute such evidence. Uh, 
Russia has over 70 different ethnic nation uh, peoples inside of its borders. Most of them have autonomous republics, which give them large, large amount of freedom in um, ruling themselves and having their ethnic language spoken inside of their own borders and and um, chartering their own economic policy. I live in what's called the Altai Territory, which is a Russian uh, state. And next to us is the Altai Republic, which is ethnically Altaian. And they speak Altai there. They uh, teach Altai language in the schools. They are definitely not under the boot of some fascist regime. So that would be my counter. Before you read it, yes, go ahead. And did you want to finish and, that? And this is again not the debate portion. This is the this is the question and answer portion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I just I just wanted to like quickly uh, as a brief aside <laughs> because I think it's very interesting. So uh, I I don't think Justice really wants to get into this. Uh, look, uh, Russian like Russia has is, has been based on like ethnic supremacy and 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 expansionism in all directions for like a long while. Alexander Pushkin is is uh, is the best example. Like if you if you look at what he wrote about like we're going uh, about, back to uh, the 1900s. We're going back to the 1800s again, Adam. Like the United uh, in States. This, in Indian? this case, in this yes, in this case, it is directly relevant. Whereas the Indians, the annexation the of Texas, have absolutely nothing to do with this. Uh, whereas we're talking about Russia now and the fact no, that uh, Pushkin we're, we're was compare the apples to apples. Compare, figure, uh, no, compare yes, 1800. Yes, um, compare um, compare 1800 America to 1800 Russia. That's all. We're not talking, about, we're not talking about America. We are not talking about America right now. Just okay. These 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 look uh, these whataboutisms. Like who who yeah, are you even trying to? The historic here? argument that Pushkin provides context for current Russian imperialism than a historic argument for manifest destiny uh, is a argument for current american imperialist ambitions they are analogous got me damn okay, okay. let me just say uh before you guys continue um i just want to let everybody know in the chat that uh, we are going a little extra long on the q a tonight because this is a charity event we're uh, donating 100 percent of the super chats to uh crochfeld yakov syndrome so uh that's why uh our gracious interlocutors have agreed to stay behind and uh take your questions a little bit longer but i'm going to go ahead and issue a warning at this point now the last uh, super chat was from cup of tea um so at this point any more super chats i'm not going to try to uh push to get those read i mean if we go on and the super and the interlocutors do want to stay and read more that's fine but at this point i'm not going to try to uh so like that last one that just came in yeah that's not going to be uh necessarily going to get read so i'm just letting you guys know that and any of the uh questions that were sent that weren't super chats i'm sorry but uh we probably won't have time to read those tonight okay so uh with that go ahead well one thing uh i still have like four or five from my chat that were donated before that is, is it okay if i hey, shove hey, them in them yeah, out yeah 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 go ahead fantastic um uh let me go to the next one for destiny and adam uh, this is from victor do you think the west <laughs> may have uh not provoked russia but didn't de-escalate aggressively enough they clarify that they're just plain devil's advocate I think that Biden actually did a phenomenal job at laying out very clearly the scope of what U.S. involvement would be at the beginning. The United States has never made any indication that there were going to be NATO troops on the ground or that there were going to be U.S. troops on the ground. We have continually rejected Zelensky's request for there being a no-fly zone. Um, I think the United States did a pretty good job of being responsible at setting out exactly the scope of how we'll provide assistance to Ukraine. Also, the counterfactual that is is nobody really wants to deal with is 
the, the idea that that Western aggression was the reason reason why Russia ever invaded is just a myth. But right? unless we think that like they just happened, Russia just happened to roll in and, and take over uh, Crimea from Sevastopol. They just happened to do that after Euromaidan, or you know that they just happened to be building up troops and getting ready for war, just as a civil war in Eastern Ukraine is is hopefully on its way towards winding down, uh, winding down after eight years of Russia back conflict. Like these aren't random things that are happening. Or, I'm sorry, these aren't things that are happening because of like NATO aggression. Um, like Justice has literally said, um, the idea of that membership action plan. I think was floated to Ukraine. Oh, Jesus. Well, it was like back in the 2000s, I think. Um, like this has been a, a conversation topic for a long time. Um, the idea, I think. 2008, yeah. The idea that this was... Um, uh, the same war that they went to, uh, the same year they went to war, uh, Georgia. The idea that this happened in response to a NATO plan is just not true. It was very clearly happening because Russia didn't have the control that it wanted over Ukraine and it wanted to punish Ukraine for rejecting, whether it was their economic policies or further on because it was rejecting the uh, breakaway parts of the two states to the east. I mean, uh, so far, like uh, all, all, all the West has done is like try to de-escalate somehow while also keeping Ukraine alive. Like this, like this, this is the balancing act, right? Like don't let Ukraine win, uh, like lose. I'm sorry, don't let Ukraine lose, and also uh, don't uh, don't step over the line of like NATO engagement with Russia because that might just lead to nuclear war. And if you and if you take a a very narrow view of this from like February 10th of 2022 then yes this is correct if you take a broader view which i'm saying let's look not at ancient history or pushkin but let's look at at least the last 20 years you'll see a different story the annexation of crimea is in response to a military overthrow a violent coup a violent overthrow of the democratic election elected government of ukraine the georgian war is in reaction to georgia invading north Ossetia, where russia had troops Posted. Well, wait, what was yeah, so, the military coup? I don't, I don't know what that is. What is the military coup? Are you talking about when Yanukovych fled the country? I, I, I am. Um, I misspoke. There were no military tribunals uh, I mean, set up. There wasn't like a foreign back I mean, military. I mean, even like, I mean, they they held I an mean, election afterwards. Violent, yeah, uh, violent overthrow of the government. Just like the election after, uh, the, the, like the interim like government. They, the just How like they had an election, Wait, just like they had an election after the annexation of Crimea, very, very similar. Absolutely not. Hold on. The annexation uh, of no. Crimea was held at gunpoint by the Russian military that was there, where the two where, as Adam said earlier, the two options were, do you want to join us or do you guys want to have like your own election where your parliament is full of people that will vote to join us? There, there was no option there to remain a part of Ukraine, no. number one. And number no, no, you're, no you're wrong. What do you mean I'm wrong? You're wrong because you're wrong because this is a point that the western media often gets wrong and it has to do with not understanding internal russian and even ukrainian uh political speech so the options in crimea were remain as in the, the it remain in ukraine as an autonomous republic very much like the altai republic just across the ridge from me where i'm sitting is still part of russia but it is an autonomous republic it has greater liberties than say a state or a county that was option one option two was annexed to russia and both german and united states funded polling agencies after the annexation was accomplished went in and did re-polling to assess whether or not the 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 the, the referendum was e even close to being realistic in its numbers and they both came out in the positive in the affirmative that yes those were actually real numbers that we saw in the referendum 
You know, I'm sorry, so very, it is very, very quickly, very quickly. The, 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 the two options on the referendum were like, A, do you want to be part of Russia? Or B, do you support the, 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 uh, the restoration of the 1996 Crimean constitution? Um, which, which was, by the way, the, the, the 1996, I, th I believe it was, constitution uh, specified, uh, you, uh, specified Crimea to be uh, independent, and then, and then there, there was, there was an, 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 an amendment later to the constitution, which then specified that independent Crimea is part of Ukraine. But the referendum actually did not specify uh, which version of the constitution it's, it's referring to. So after that, the Russians uh, could have just said, oh yeah, by the way, we, we, we referred to the original one. Yeah, so uh, Crimea is now independent, full of pro-Russian politicians, by the way. Oh, and would you look at that? One month down the line, they have submitted the request to, to get annexed. Also, uh, by the way, um, no, no, actually, that's it. That's it for now. So democratic elections are good when they favor the outcomes that you like, bad when they favor the, do not favor the outcomes you like. No, democratic Wait, I want to no, hear ele elections are not, de one sec, ele elections are not democratic when they are held at gunpoint. So if you look at this from Russia's perspective, what if, what if, if, if what if everything you say is true, right? And the options very really were like Russia or Ukraine. What if people vote for, what, what if people vote for Ukraine? Do, 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 do the Russian soldiers just go, okay, I guess we're going home. Fuck no, dude. Are you, are you kidding me? This this real politic. Crimea was going to Russia one way or the other, regardless of the of the result. Destiny? Yeah, I, and I was going to say also, are we really saying that the elections that were observed by literally the entire world that happened with the interim government after uh, Euromaidan, after the revolution, that those elections were of the same level of integrity as the elections that were held at gunpoint in Crimea? Like I believe, I believe the 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 the, the, the tribunal, I, th I think, at the Hague or some some like a higher organization like that, uh, called it a farce of complete farce of democracy. Also, wasn't there? I don't know if I, this was true or not. Okay, okay, you, you, guys, you guys are probably on. I just sure, want to sure. be able to respond. Sure. I I want one what little minute, and then we can move on to the next question. Um, absolutely. The the uh, your the the elections in Ukraine after Euromaidan, you know, that were internationally um recognized and observed. I have no contention with those. And I would say to my Russian, uh, you know, friends and acquaintances, you know, you know, we have to move on from 2014. That would be a thing. But to not recognize that these things are analogous and that sponsoring and helping a violent overthrow of the democratically elected at that time government as antagonism toward Russia is, again, it's having too narrow of a view on the effects of our actions in the area, in the region. Can, uh, oh, I guess I just got a viewer question. Oh my God. And they donated to you, but you guys didn't get the super chat. And the viewer question asked, what was the violent overthrow of Yanukovych? The Euromaidan protests had been happening for months. The viewer, the viewer wants you to yep. specify where was the violent overthrow of Yanukovych. And he says the thing, are you talking about when Yanukovych fled the country because he was scared of being persecuted for having his police officers shoot and kill protesters during the end of the Euromaidan protest? That's what he asked. Yeah, the 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 entire Euromaidan protest was turned into a violent overthrow of the government. Absolutely, um, and yes, he did flee the country, and yes, he is you know was a, a lesser man <laughs> than Zelensky and a lesser politician. A better politician might have been able to steer out of that those waters, but to 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 not uh, admit that it was a violent overthrow, that it was just all peaceful and wonderful, is again, it's completely insane, and it doesn't doesn't jive with the reality of the facts on the ground. 
Okay. Uh, rest in case. Very, very <laughs> slick move, doesn't he? Okay, we're going to s- slide through these things very quickly, okay? For Mr. Monster, Putin <laughs> has no good reason to attack Ukraine. He is essentially a Bond villain. Soy movie reference. Next one, Ryan Rockwell. As a former professional carpet cleaner, does Destiny have any input on the carpet shitting analogy? I, I don't even know what that's... Is this a reference I'm supposed to know? Yeah, it was from earlier in the debate. Don't worry about it. Uh, from Destiny's mom, Stephen, I need you to bring all of your sweatpants downstairs so I can clean them. You're doing great, by the way. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Congratulations, Stephen. Uh, throwing it over to Ash... Uh, what could the West have done differently? I, I guess it's just a general question. More support earlier, more deterrence, dissuade Russia from even attacking. That way we can avoid the war. Not expand NATO in 1997, 1998, 1999, and further, and promote a Central European, Eastern European uh, security environment, much modeled much like uh, after uh, Austria in the post-World War II era. Okay. Uh, for the pro-Russian side, I assume he just means justice. If this is from... Uh, pro-peace. Sil- yeah, pro-peace, but just nice. that's what they said. I read them verbatim. This is from Silen Holland. <laughs> if England reinvaded Ireland because there was civil unrest in Northern Ireland, would you support it? I don't support the invasion of the Ukraine. Okay, very simple. This is Heckland from Heckland. For Adam something, as a train enjoyer, has the Russian use of trains for supply convoys dampened your enjoyment of them? Uh, no, because they also get blown up. Plus, the Ukrainians also have nice trains. Okay. But thank you for the question. Victor Halleck. Um, Five dollars for Just Destiny. Just real quick. Yeah. Inter- inter- interject here real quick. That's... Uh... I had requested moderating debate originally to have a one-on-one debate with Adam something. Um, and, and then this, that was what turned into this particular debate. Uh, mm-hmm. And I started watching Adam something because he liked trains and he tricked me into watching his channel because it was Adam S. And I thought it was Adam Smith about trains. Damn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Trivia. He tricked him. Victor Halleck, $5 for Destiny and Adam. Have you considered that Russia is trying to start its own NATO? Well, I mean, there's talk of the... Um... Is it called the is it called the Union State? I think was the goal for um, Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine to all kind of be part of their own little, I guess, like federated union or whatever. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, they might be trying it. But I, also, something that was mentioned earlier, um, I believe the the idea of NATO. Oh, fuck, I, I'm not Adam or even Joseph. I know where this, but the idea of of Russia joining NATO, I think, was floated to Putin, and I thought that Putin just didn't want to go through the process because he thought it was like an insult to Russia to have to like wait in line and to like wait for all the acceptance of it. They wanted us to like roll the red carpet out for them. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's actually true. Like they, they, Russia could have been part of the Western sort of power structure. They just like refused because like you know, fuck it, we're we're, we're empire, we're we're big dig boys. Look where look where they got them. Not true. Uh, Russia in the begin in late nineties and the early two thousands several times made overtures to the West about Russia being part of NATO, and they were flatly denied. No, the the, the, the denial was that okay, and the guys, I will leave it, it up. It's not going to I go will, immediately. The, the, the denial was that it's it going to have to, to be a process. And I'd, anyway, and I'd leave it up to the viewers to research that. Oh, please do, okay. please do. Okay. Uh, I don't know what this means, so maybe one of you guys can uh, give me some uh, levity on this. Uh, thoughts on Paul Joseph Watson's comments? I, 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 I don't know what that means. 
somebody tweeted out some wild shit about some shit he said, I guess. I don't know. It's pretty crazy, but. Okay. Keep going then. This is from Ethan Steinberg, and this is for justice. Should the United States stop providing weapons to Ukraine? Question of whether or not the United States should be currently providing uh, weapons to the, to the Ukraine is a little bit like the question of whether or not the United States should enter World War II um, after, you know, uh, the German, Nazi Germany has taken over all of Europe or most of Europe and has invaded the Soviet Union. The question isn't what we should, we should or shouldn't be doing now. The question is what we should or shouldn't have been doing to avoid this, this inevitable conclusion of events in 97, in 98, and throughout the 2000s. Our own foreign policy establishment warned us in 97, 98, 99, when Clinton was beginning to uh, escalate or, or expand NATO, that this was what was going to happen. The same foreign policy establishment that helped us win the Cold War warned the Clinton administration that this was the inevitable result of NATO expansion. So should the West uh, help Ukraine? Uh, and again, I'm putting myself into some pretty uh, uh, dangerous position here trying to answer this honestly, but should the West help the Ukraine uh, rebuff the uh, Russian invasion. At this point in the game, I don't think there's any other option. We should look for for exits. We should try to find overtures for peace. But of course, you know, you you don't, you don't want a land war in in Europe. Obviously, like that's. But but on the same time, it's this is what my whole point is. Let's look at the broader picture and look at what led to this. Not not just looking at this again. Um, it's it's the question of. We should we have tried? Uh, should the U Treaty of Versailles have been different, um, and may, might that have uh, helped uh, mitigate the World War II or, or or not allow for it, as opposed to whether or not we should get involved in World War II? Yeah, uh, careful, careful with the answers. I hear, I hear, in fascist countries, there is a risk that you might go to jail if you say the wrong things on air. So, Next question. I missed that. Was that a question, Adam? There was breaking no, up. No, no, no. Next question. This is from KI. What are your thoughts on Western generals like Mr. George Bush and Mr. Girl's imperialist actions against Russia? I think that's for justice. Uh, it was Mr. George Bush, girls, something breaking up. Oh, sorry. Okay, let me say that again. It's a dumb meme question. Go to the next one. <laughs> okay, got it. Okay. Next question. A little off topic. Uh, this is from Vish. But what do you all think this could mean for China and Taiwan? I Nothing. feel like the situation between China and Taiwan is is markedly different. Like the relationship between Taiwan and China and, you know, whether that is like a truly independent country, which is not in the way that Ukraine was from 91 onwards. I, I just I think the situations are dissimilar. I, I don't think you can compare the two. No, I agree. I think they're dissimilar, um, but. But I think that there are lessons being learned, and I think to one degree, one at one degree, the Chinese are seeing um, what the international community's response might be to something like uh, a reassessing of power over Taiwan, um, and and hopefully, you know, taking notes. Okay. Actually, I just finished a video on this that I'm going to release this Thursday. So if anybody wants to watch that, of course, it'll merge TV on YouTube. Uh, shameless plug. Next one, Mr. Saxakeet for $20. Will the real Kremlin gremlin please stand up? Please stand up. Oh, my God. He's standing. Goddamn Haas is short. 
Amazing. <laughs> Next one. OG Adam Snoop. is sitting. <laughs> yes, Adam is the Kremlin Gremlin. OG Snoop. <laughs> so slavery didn't play a role in shaping the South of today. What a dumb point of view. Slavery did shape Jim Crow and current economic segregation. I think you need to a debate or something. Okay. Anyway. Uh, next is from Ambient Wave. With rumors of Putin soon to announce full-scale military mobilization, how would this development affect the current conflict in Ukraine? I don't think that will happen. It might. There's a chance. But actually, you know, uh, 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 so, okay, complicated question. Russia, uh, short answer, Russia uh, has had enough troubles with their trained forces already, right? I mean, they, they, they fucked up enough with them, like, uh, especially with the DBA, you know. Um and uh, to, to, to order a full-scale countrywide mobilization, that would take months to train up people, you know, and, and to, 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 to be actually, uh, to, to train them up to at least to be marginally battle ready, to send them in. And then we haven't even talked about morale issues, supply issues, hardware, et cetera, uh, plus the sanctions the, uh, sanctions effect on, on the Russian military industrial complex. Uh, also in Russia, the funny situation is that they, they would also need to train the trainers to train the, to train the conscripts that they would get. So mass mobilization might happen, although it's not, it's not going to have a substantial effect on, on the war in Ukraine. Adam something likes to point out um, Russian ineptitude in the Ukraine and likes to make funny uh, posts about uh, Russian equipment looking funny and that's ha ha ha. They're there's so much of it, but but the but the reality the reality is is that Russia in its invasion of Ukraine has made the mistake that large countries often make when they do not uh, assess their opponent correctly, much like the United States North in the Civil War where they thought they would have the war over in two or three weeks, and it took four to five years. Um, so will Russia declare war on Ukraine? There are both pros and cons of that. The pros of that would be that they could legitimately then use the their conscript army. Again, this is another propaganda from the West. Russia doesn't have a conscript army as much as it has mandatory service. Um, and part of the, the law around mandatory service is that you cannot use the people who are the, the men who are in the army for mandatory service in uh, wars that are outside of Russians, Russia's borders. So there's definitely a pro argument to declaring war so you can use the vast majority of the reserves um, to 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 uh, advance the war in the Ukraine. Um, that is the, the pro. The con is that that would go against the the particular propagandistic narrative that is in Russia right now, which is this is not a war. This is an internal conflict between brother nations, and this is a special military operation, and it's just tactical. Um, that would, would give total, would totally belie that narrative. And so there's definitely a, a con uh, to, to doing that. I, I definitely, of course, as the pro-peace um, uh, party in this debate, uh, <laughs> hope that Russia does not um, declare war and does not use its, its conscript army. If the war drags out long enough, Russia will win. Um, it's it is unless uh, the Western powers actually put troops on the ground, uh, which then we'll have a lot of other things to worry about than whether Ukraine will fall or not. Well, I guess we'll see. Okay, uh, this next one is from Gambi. Uh, this is a hundred Czech krona, which either is a lot of money or not a lot of money. I have yeah, about no four dollars. Amazing. Uh, for the pro-Russia side, uh, which I mean, I seem 
means you. Um, are we supposed to believe Russia is intervening to prevent fascism when the same lie was used before by the Soviet Union to justify its invasion of Hungary and Czechoslovakia? Russia has legitimate history issues with fascism. And so it's an absolutely ready-made propaganda piece when you have fascist um, militias uh, doing war on your borders. Like it's, it's ready-made. So, of course, that's part of the propaganda. No, Russia did not invade Ukraine to um, stop fascist brigades. It's part of the propaganda. It's part of the narrative. Um, and it's and it's part of the whole issue that you have to that you have to take into consideration. The main reasons for the invasion of the Ukraine was legitimate security concerns, advancement of NATO, um, Western or Western orienting uh, um, countries in the buffer zone around Russia. That is the, the issue. OK, the next question is this is from a Ukrainian uh, Stangy. Uh, Justice, you are simply wrong. All battalions were either disbanded or integrated into the Ukrainian Armed Forces by 2017. I said out at, I, I countered to destinies in 2014. They were integrated. I said they were not integrated in 2014. What? Uh, okay, I oh, he called you a beta destiny. Uh, going to to the next one this is from streaks uh ten dollars can justice comment on the wagner group the russian pmc group that is essentially an unofficial wing of the russian military whose leader is a confirmed neo-nazi founder i believe i don't know if they're the current leader still being being an uh pro-russian ethnic national nationalist is not the same as a historical neo-Nazi. That's A. But B, the Wagner Group and its reason is, like the entire war, unjustifiable. And Russia is playing with its, with with fire, with its own with its own stuff. So this is absolutely, you know, it's bad, 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 bad stuff. No, no, no good. Okay. Next one, Darth. Else, can I ask a personal question? To who? Yeah. Uh, Justice, okay. I, I think a lot of people have seen like the the tattoo, right? Like the the what this? I have no the, tattoos. I'm a clean. No, not 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 I'm you. About, about the about the founder of the Wagner Group with you know the SS mm. and the and the and the swastika with the with the Nazi eagle. What, what is that about? Um, what a good that, question. <laughs> that is uh, a good question. Um, but again, I would say that it's it's about. Um, I oh, wait a second. I was just not aware of that. I guess. Um, so it's an, it's me, an, caught me it's an, footed on that one. It's an it's an it's an it's an ironic SS symbol. So uh, there's a not. very famous um, there's a very famous photo of the leader of the Wagner Group with his shirt off, and you can see uh, a swastika uh, with a Nazi eagle and an SS tattoo. Maybe I mean I've, I've seen it like a million times. Maybe it's it's a fake, and I have not been made aware no. of it. But I, I, I I've been, Dylan. Told well, the reason why people the reason why people don't two two points on that one number one i'm not here to defend the wagner group and the uh work of paramilitary groups in the donbass and lugansk region russian paramilitary groups that's unjustifiable i don't i don't justify it i don't think it's right 
number one. So I'm not so familiar with their history and 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 the the, the exact political um, affiliations of that of that group. Although I am aware, I even had unfortunately acquaintances who went to fight in the Donbass and Lugansk um, region. So I'm at least the, the, to that degree familiar with with the situation. Number two, it feels like you are definitely <laughs> violating the neutrality of the platform. <laughs> By asking such questions, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was just, I was just definitely curious. I, I did, I did, I did want to ask before if I could ask a question. I'm very sorry, but we can continue. Um, um, this is from Darth Elsa again. Considering Russia has uh, completely surrounded in Mariupol, maybe the threat of the Azov Nazi super soldiers is exaggerated. Um, we've kind of been over this like a million times. Can we just keep going? I think we can just keep going, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. keep going. Okay, this is from Translucent Man. Isn't Russia to blame for the anti-Russian sentiment in many of the ex-Soviet countries? Does decades of subjugation of those nations and people not count as Russian provocation? Absolutely. And so Eastern European and Central European countries who want to be part of a security alliance or security uh, regime of some kind that can keep them out of the militaristic influence of their largest neighbor is understandable. I'm not, I'm never have I said that those, that those motivations are not understandable. But again, we have to look at both sides of the motivational schema in order to make sense of the world and not repeat mistakes that cause more conflict and not less. The next one's from AU Studios. Justice said Russia is not fascist, but he's worried about being arrested for not being strongly pro-war slash pro-Putin. If they weren't authoritarian, uh, why would they arrest you when you uh, are clearly 99%? I don't know what the end of it says, but you get the gist of the question. Uh, Fascism, uh, fascism uh, in general and Nazism in particular, which is the allegation that's floated most often in modern debates about anything you don't like. It's kind of the go to uh, whipping boy uh, is a particular form of right wing uh, tyranny and authoritarianism. Russia uh, currently is far more authoritarian than uh, our Western counterparts. Uh, there's no question about that uh, situation uh, of which I'm not necessarily happy. Of course, that's 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 unfortunate that, that that's the path that we have chosen. The Russian people have chosen to to follow and to go down. That's that's unfortunate. But to say that any authoritarian regime is fascist is ridiculous. Uh, authoritarian, authoritarian regime does not a fascist make. There can be left-wing authoritarian regimes, there can be centrist authoritarian regimes, so forth and so on. Okay. Um, now we've gone through all of the questions that have been pre-approved. Do we have any time left for the uh, other questions, uh, Kaz? Um, there was one more from Cup of Tea. They were just asking, what is everyone's oh. take on the Uyghurs? Um <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a genocide by China, your far right regime. Justice. It's a genocide by China, much like the war in Yemen, uh, supported by the United States, is a genocide against the Yemenis. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Should we go on to the warning given questions, or? Um. Well, Justin is not here. I think we should just go ahead and uh, close it out. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, I just want to let everybody know, uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, 
All of our debaters are linked in the description below, whether you're listening on podcasts. So please check them out if you like what you heard tonight. And please uh, subscribe because we have more juicy debates coming up for your enjoyment. And I uh, just want to let you know that I want to thank Dylan for helping us put this all together, uh, getting Adam something justice together. Uh, hopefully we have more uh, collaborations in the future. Thank you to uh, Justice Adam something Destiny and Connor for being here. Um, so again, like it if you loved it, share if you want to spread it and subscribe. We have many more debates coming your way. Um, thank you. Have a great night. Keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. And have a great night, everybody. Fantastic. We're out of here. Good night, everyone. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. And best wishes to James. Nice job, uh, Justice, for hanging in there for the two-on-one at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True, truly. All right. Okay. So. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.